Hello. Good evening, everybody. Hello, hello. No, I'm not going to do it. Good evening, everybody. Thank you all for joining. Perfect. All right. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to tonight's GPAC meeting. We're going to go ahead and get started. Just to maximize time, we're going to just jump right in. Just as a reminder, we're going to go a little extra tonight from 6 to 9, should we need it to get through the areas of discussion. Um, go ahead and turn it over to Matt, and we're going to jump in and start the discussions. No, I'm going to turn it over to Susan. I'm sorry. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for coming. Thanks, to, welcome to the members of the public as well and those who are watching. Um, just a quick note on our, our protocols for our meeting. We go over these each time we get together just as a reminder to for us all to show respect to one another, for the public as well as our members and, and all of our staff team as well um, so that we want to just make sure that we are talking and using our respectful voices to everybody. Also, we will have public comment at the end of the meeting. So if you are here and would like to make a comment, we do have speaker cards and welcome you to fill those out as well um, and just with that we can keep going on so just acknowledgement of our GPAC members um, we have a good showing this evening we have a handful that were not able to make it and they did let us know in advance and we are taking role we are also passing around a sign-in sheet but we thank you all very much for your continued dedication especially over the next couple of months we've got some some long meetings with lots of great um, output that we hope happens over the next few or handful of meetings as well so thanks to everyone there and then for this evening, so tonight what we want to start with is just a little bit of a review of the GPAC direction from the last meeting in January. Um, we're going to do a little, Matt's going to provide a little bit of background information as well to talk about just a reminder on the vision that you all developed in concert with the community and the council. Um, just kind of a little throwback to some earlier information. And then we're going to spend the bulk of the time um, talking about and re making recommendations for the land use direction for three or potentially four of the areas of discussion. So we're going to start with Victoria, then talk about Pierpont, Eastside, and if we get through those three, um, we are teed up to also talk talk and initiate the conversation around college as well. Um, and Matt's going to go into a little more detail about what that process is going to look like tonight. But you all um, kind of talked last time about wanting to stay together as a large group and have a conversation as a large group as well. So that is the plan for this evening. Um, and then, of course, we have time for public comment as well. So without further ado, I'll hand over to Matt to start talking about the process, and we'll jump in as quickly as we can. OK, thank you. Does this, is this working? OK, good. It's not as, uh, yeah, that one sounds a little muffled. Um, hi, everyone. Good evening. Uh, nice to see you all. Uh, we are in our kind of roll up our sleeves and work together to come up with um, the GPAC proposed direction based on all of the community engagement we've heard so far. Um, I have to like swallow the microphone when I do it now. Um, so as uh, just to sort of start off with the process, this was outlined in the letter that was sent to you, um, but our process is here um, that we decided, essentially decided on last time and discussed last time, which is we're going to have five meetings to develop a preferred, GPAC preferred land use alternative or some alternative concepts if we can't come up with a single direction, which is absolutely fine. Um, we are going to work in a large group. We're not going to break into small groups. Um, we are going to discuss each area in turn, and within each area, we may discuss sub-areas 
to make it a little bit easier to have the conversation uh, about direction. Um, we are going to do voting by show of hands. Um, so we'll ask you to raise your hand on if you agree with, with the kind of direction that, that's coming out or if you disagree or you have another idea. Um, and we want to get to the point where the, the majority of folks are agreeing with, um, with the direction and we'll of course, if there's differences of opinion, we'll document those differences of opinion and that, that's fine. Um, our meetings are going to be held here in this room. These are the dates tonight. Um, two additional meetings on March 6th and March 7th, and those were really the dates that more folks could come. Um, the regular meeting on March 21st, and then the regular meeting on Tuesday, April 18th. So the idea is we are gonna spend these next four meetings together, going through each area. When we get to the last meeting, we may have some time to talk citywide, to circle back and talk about any other areas if something was left unresolved, if you change your mind on something. So we can, you know, we'll have some, there's some time built in for that. Between March 21st and April 18th, our team is going to take all of the individual ideas that you gave us and build a composite land use map or land use map with some alternatives. Um, do the kind of growth projection analysis, do some numbers, and give that back to you so we can look comprehensively on Tuesday, April 18th at the big picture. Um, engagement came up a lot at the last meeting and some of the previous meetings. Um, we are gonna use the these next really two months is going to be a lot of time with the GPAC coming up with ideas. You, of course, can speak with your networks. Um, we are also going to do some really broad engagement in this time period to some of the groups that were underrepresented. But because the information we're dealing with is so technical and detailed, um, we're going to keep that for some of the groups, who, people who may not have been involved in the process. We want to keep that higher level and more kind of visionary about the overall direction of the city rather than specific land use on a specific parcel. After the GPAC comes up with a preferred direction, we're then going to take that out to the community um, through some of the, your networks and then out into the different areas of the community to get feedback on that direction. Um, this approach was discussed last time and we feel like it's the best approach because it gives people something more concrete to respond to rather than alternatives, which admittedly, as we talked about, can be pretty complex. So we wanna be able to kind of talk big picture for some groups that haven't been involved and then give everyone the big picture of land use in the next you know, after April, um, after April 18th, mid-April, when you all have come up with that direction. Um, we are gonna go through, I'll just sort of say this now, we're gonna go through, as I said, area by area. We're gonna try a method this evening. At the end of tonight's meeting, let's talk about, let's spend a few minutes in talking about whether that worked, whether you have other suggestions about how we can work on these areas together. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Um, there are a lot of resources for you to look at. In fact, there are probably too many resources for you all to look at, so apologies for this. But I wanna go through some of the information that you have um, at your disposal, some of which you have had and some of which is new. So starting with the Land Use Alternative Survey Raw Results, this tome here, which all of you should have gotten, 
Um, it is also and has been online since mid-November. So all of that information and every single comment that was made in those surveys is documented here. Um, we sent out before this meeting um, four PowerPoints, which are summaries for each area. These are, we have copies for the public up on the table here if you want to look at them. We have a couple of copies on the table. We have three copies, so you all can pass them around if you'd like to. Um, th these um, are essentially document some background information existing land use designations, existing zoning, the alternatives, the results of the survey. It's sort of a one-stop shop for some information for you all for each area. Um, we created a summary of community feedback for the areas of discussion. This is a new document. Um, it's about 20 pages long. Um, and this is organized by area and then by topic within each area. There's a few copies around the table. There's another copy or two up here on the table for the public. Um, this is an important document to think about because as we've mentioned in this process, it's not just about land use. It's also people have mentioned a lot of other great ideas about each of these different areas. New parks, improvements to parks, on-ramps, transit, pedestrian and bicycle safety, and we tried to document the main themes that we have heard for each of those areas, because we don't want to forget that there's a lot more besides land use. So we want to document those by area, and it's actually going to be really helpful for us as we are creating the land use element, and we're, we're discussing each of these sub-areas to have these additional policy ideas. So at some point, we encourage you to look through those, but we really wanted to make sure that you all knew and the public knew that we're, all of those comments are actually around and available, and we have them, and we've been documenting them. We want to make sure you all know that. Um, we have interactive maps on the project website. These maps have been up for a while. You can see an image up here. It's called ArcGIS Online. You can go dig into every individual parcel and understand, find out what the existing use is, existing general plan land use designation, existing zoning, and then each of the alternatives. Um, and then there's overlays for things like wildfire and sea level rise, so you can really get a big picture. It's just a resource to dig into. Um, we also handed out um, at, at each of your seats three separate documents, and again, we have copies for the public, um, of the existing zoning districts, the existing general plan designations, and then the draft land use designations. So all of these are in front of you because we want you to know when you look at a map, we want you to have a reference for this. Um, there, are, there is nuance, especially with zoning and a lot of the plans that we haven't necessarily captured here. We tried to, again, put it all on two pages so you can see that. Um, one of the questions that um, is probably going to come up as we're talking about land uses is, are the land use designations that are proposed that is on this handout that we've been using, are these set? Are these the ones we have to go with? And the answer to that is no. So if we as a group come up with a new idea for a land use designation that's part of this conversation, we can create new land use designations. For example, office R&D, which I believe was six stories in that table, one of the comments said, why can't we make a three-story office R&D? Well, we can do that. So we'll talk about that and we'll work through that, through this process, and then moving in, getting into April. We are also gonna change some of the nomenclature um, and the mixed-use ones were confusing, so we'll change the nomenclature. We did not want to do that now because we did not want to 
start using two separate nomenclatures. So just we will change that. Um, so that's the background information that you have if you go to the next slide. Um, and then quickly, just to set the context here, I want to just remind everyone, because it's, it's been a year, that this group um, helped to develop um, a vision and guiding principles and strategies document. And that document, you all spent time in uh, 2021 and early 2022 working on this document. It was then endorsed by the city council um, just under a year ago, March 28th, 2022. And I'm bringing this up because we have a vision. There is a vision that was developed. That vision had guiding principles. And then go on to the next slide. It, uh, it also had um, land use. It also had strategies, about 30 strategies. Some of those strategies are particularly focused on land use, which you have them here. And, and just I'm bringing this up because we want you to keep in mind this vision that was created. Again, we can revisit and we will revisit this, but this is what was endorsed um, developed by this group and then endorsed by the council. So just kind of keep this in mind as we're thinking about land use alternatives. Next slide, please, Lily. Um, the um, last slide before we really jump into the content um, is about housing. And there, as you all know, there have been, the state has put forward a lot of housing laws. And these housing laws, we understand, we know, are can be very frustrating for communities because some of it is taking away local control. So we understand that, we understand the, the tension associated with it. It makes your job harder and it makes our job and regulations. Um, for us, they are something that we have to follow. And so when we're creating the general plan, we are required to follow state law. So. Whatever state law says, we have to follow, and those are the bounds that we have to do. So anything that we do in the land use, we need to follow what state law says. And there's a few things I just want to bring up now for you all to keep in mind as we're doing this. Um, and we can revisit these as we're talking about alternatives. So the first and potentially one of the most important is called no net loss of residential density, which is through a law called SB 330. There's a lot more in SB 330. But the core of this that I want to bring up is that you can change and lower a residential density and an amount of, of residential capacity in one part of the city. That's fine. But you have to make up for it somewhere else. So in the previous general plan, when you all did the general plan, there was downzoning throughout the whole city. And that was perfectly OK to do at that time. If we do it now, we need to make sure that any decrease in capacity is offset somewhere else with an increase in capacity. So for now, I would say don't worry too much about this, but have it in the back of your mind to just know that there are areas that we'll probably talk about tonight and over the next few meetings where you're going to want to probably recommend or where the community has recommended there's some downzoning. And that's fine. We just need to find places where we're adding residential capacity. It doesn't necessarily mean we're making things bigger. It just means we're adding capacity where there wasn't residential capacity before. Okay, We'll do the math on that, but just keep it in mind. Um, the second is also SB 330, which is we can't implement a growth moratorium. We can't stop the amount of growth. We can't have any votes to say we, this general plan must go to a vote of the public. So you all haven't asked for that. Some communities do ask for that. Some of your neighbors have asked for this. We can't have any, um, any votes 
like that. We can't have any moratorium. Um, the next is actually a relatively new legislation, um, which says that if you have general plan land use designations and zoning, you, or and specific plans, which also have zoning, where there is residential allowed, you A, have to allow residential, where residential is allowed in any one of those documents, and B, you have to actually go with the highest density. So for example, if your general plan says 10 units an acre and your zoning says 15 units an acre, that means that by law we have to go with 15 units an acre. Okay? Again, super technical, but just something to keep in mind because in, there are a lot of conflicts between of your very broad land use designations and your very detailed zoning right now. And then the last is that we have to follow the state density bonus law. So there is a state density bonus law, which is bonuses for affordable housing. We have to follow that law, and we also can't downzone areas to get up to the height that they are now, expecting that there may be a density bonus added into the project. That goes in with this SB 330 no net loss. So it just has to be on top of everything that's allowed. You have to allow the state density bonus with whatever that state density bonus says. Okay, that was a lot, but again, it's some context. And again, the really important one is this no net loss. Changing, lowering, removing residential is allowed. We just have to find a place to offset it somewhere else in the city. Okay. And just a reminder, we, you don't have to stress about that over the next few meetings. Again, just keeping it in the back of your mind because we'll, we'll do that math after we make those recommendations because it's really hard to do that if we're looking at a geographic by geographic area to have to think about what are we going to do next week or next month or next week or tomorrow. So just, but just keeping that in the back of your mind because we'll do that math and we'll come back to it and say, okay, looks like we lost X number of units. We might need to make up for that somewhere. Stephanie? And, yeah. I'm sorry, Sabrina. I guess my question is you, you mentioned that whichever the zoning or um, the land use designation, whichever is essentially more dense or higher, prevails. Um, so then if we recommend for an area a reduction, but the zoning allows for more, then it doesn't make any difference what we recommend. Is that an accurate representation? Yeah. I mean, Essentially, what we've tried to actually do with our base land use is go with what the highest was already. So we've already tried to take that into consideration. That's a good point. A after this process, we're going to need to go through and update all of our zoning codes, too, and our specific plans. So first, the general plan will lead, and we'll, we'll set the, the land use designations. We'll follow up with our other documents and bring those into alignment with whatever the general plan ends up saying. Yeah, And, and you'll also see, um, and then... Uh, I, Kelsey, I saw you had your hand up, but um, you'll also see that when we actually get into Pierpont, we actually made a mistake where we followed zoning on one parcel and didn't realize that the general plan actually allowed residential, so we're actually, we have to show the shift to residential on that parcel, and that has to be the base that we're going from. It's confusing. So in planning for all these future arena cycles, I think it's 15,000 units or something, what are the ramifications for future general plans if there are no net loss and we're, we don't hit those numbers and all of a sudden we've locked ourselves into a way faster development pace? Is that not problematic? Um, no, and, and um, so what we wanted to do, just to clarify this, and thanks, thanks for bringing that up. Um, so the, the, three, the two to three arena cycles is not a requirement 
of we must do this. What it was was a guide for us to think about it so that you all don't have to go and do this every, you know, in another eight years. So it, it's only a guide. And what we want to really do is move away from that, those numbers there and um, and really think over the next meetings about what your vision is for the community. And we'll let the, um, the sort of the numbers fall after that. And I think my guess is we're gonna have some ups and downs in places in terms of numbers. The other thing about RENA is we don't really know what the state is going to say in eight years in terms of what the requirements are, what those RENA numbers are. So we wanna keep it in mind um, and I think you know, to your point, you know, you can certainly think at this point now about whether you want to do more changes in re to residential at this point, whether you want to do less because you're concerned about that future cycle. Bill? I have just one clarifying question. If we can go back to the, the different areas that we're going to be doing and just kind of assign dates so people know if they want to show up with, like, approximately... Oh, you do? Okay, just so people know. Okay, and then the one thing I would like to say is thanks for printing these out. I would really love it if you did it on the ledger size. <laughs> I have them. I just need glasses we can pass around. Yeah. We, we, um, we, you know, we were working on some of this at the last minute, and we'll try and send these out um, more in advance of the next meeting. Yeah. A little bigger. I missed the, uh, the last session. I missed the last session, and um, so I apologize if this is a retro question. How, how are we looking at transit overlaying onto these areas as we talk about where we're putting housing and where we're not, you know, where we're intensifying, and how, how are we moving towards alternatives besides just a whole bunch of car-oriented stuff? We did not, we talked about this at the high level um, last time. Um, we, the transit is obviously on the main corridors. To some degree, transit follows land use. To some degree, land use follows transit, much less so. Um, so uh, as you all probably know, the areas that have a more diverse, diversity of uses and more intensity, um, whether it's more jobs or more people um, you know, shopping or more people living, those areas tend to be more supportive of transit. Of course, you need origins and destinations for transit. Um, so we have to think about all of that. Right now, the transit routes are some of the major, are some of the major corridors in the city, so we'll have to keep that, um, that in mind. Pete. So just going through this, it looked like we had a lot of mixed use designations in different areas and I was just wondering if we know what the occupancy rate of mixed use is do those commercial places on the bottom floor on the ground floor fill or are we going to put a mixed use in it you know say put mixed use here and it isn't going to go Yeah, um, uh, you know, we, so I think there's different ways we can deal with that in different areas. So um, mixed use right now is commercial standalone, office standalone, residential standalone, um, 
or a mix of some of those. Um, we can put requirements in for certain areas in the general plan where we require active ground floor uses. I wouldn't call it retail, I'd call it active spaces that can be retail. So I'd recommend that we think about that. It's maybe a step down the road here, but we don't know what the occupancy is right now. Um, uh, so we don't, we don't have that. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's a mixed use building. It's just a site that allows a variety of uses. All right, to you. Did you want to go through this or you want me to go? All right. So she, I can take a stab at it if you want. Um, so the idea of the site itself, you have a site, it could be mixed use is often thought about ground floor has retail and then there's commercial above or something, the mix is in within the building. It can also be different buildings on the same site. One might be commercial, one might be residential, one might be office. So you can have that style of mixed use. Yeah, and as Matt said, it could be that that site is just commercial or that site is just residential. It's a mix of uses. It doesn't mean that it's all in one building. So not mixed use in the... Not in like a downtown project where you see like a ground floor. It can be in that context, but it doesn't have to be. Not in the context of the It's, so it, it's a mix of uses, but in certain areas, like if, if in the downtown or along some of the corridors, we want to dictate in the plan that you need gr active ground floor spaces that accommodate retail, so there actually is a vertical mix of uses within the building, we can do that in the plan. Typically, it's a little bit more in zoning, but, um, but we can, and in specific plans, but we can certainly do that, and um, it's pretty common to do. And there are some areas where you might want to allow just standalone residential where there is only commercial allowed right now. Okay, so the, yes, I'll return to the, um, sorry, the microphone. Can you hear me? There we go. Um, so the process that we want to use is we're going to focus on one area at a time, which we've already stated. Um, Matt's going to, or we're going to review, we're just discuss a little bit more generally what the thoughts are around each area. So we're going to start with Victoria, just have about a five minute kind of bounce um, the ball around dialogue on what you think about Victoria, what your thoughts are about Victoria. Um, then we'll summarize some of the engagement that has been heard thus far about some of the specific sub-geographies, if you will. So there's some areas that we're hearing mixed, um, mixed messages from, from the community. So we want to review that a little bit. And then we're going to spend most of the time on number four. So we're going to go through sub-geography, if you want to, or specific areas within the Victoria, for instance, within Victoria, and talk about what the options are um, for those based on what the community has said, what you've heard, and what dialogue has been, and ideally get preferred direction from you on the direction for land use in that particular area. We're going to do kind of a straw poll show of hands just so we can kind of get some sense of how many folks are in support of that moving in that direction. Again, we're not approving a land use plan by any means, but we're getting some direction to assemble a preferred land use plan. Or as Matt said, there might be for a couple of areas, maybe two different options for a specific location. So that's generally how we want to approach um, this evening for the three areas we want to try to get through. We'll have some time at the end of the meeting to say, hey, if we would have done it like this, it might have been a little bit easier for us. If you could give us this next time, all that'll be great. But so this is this is kind of our best attempt tonight to be able to get through it with the best amount of information we, that we can give you. So Matt, do you want to kind of walk through? 
Or, but first we'll have the open dialogue. So yeah. this is currently what sort of the general plan has said, what the current Victoria Development Code, the, cor the Corridor Development Code says in general about Victoria. Um, so you can read that a little bit. I'm sure you've been thinking about it. You read all the material for Victoria for tonight. You know what some of the land use options have been. Would just love to hear if anyone kind of has any thoughts about Victoria as how it fits into the city, what your vision is for the, the area, any overall big overarching thoughts before we launch into more geographic specific discussion? Casey. What is the grove? Yeah, it's that parcel or little parcel that's like right after you go here. Is it sore? No. It's not sore. It does need annexation. It is a project that's been um, under city review that's for a specific plan for residential in that area. It's, they've titled it the Grove, which is why it's called that. So there is no Grove there now, right? <laughs> so we'll come back to the map in just a second. We just wanted to get some, just some thoughts from folks. If you have any, you don't have to have any. Oh, we always thoughts over here. So we'll go Peter, Pete, and then Nick. Okay, yeah. Um, just my thoughts for like Victoria is a more of an urban center around the government center, Telegraph and Victoria. You have job centers there, you have transit, wide road, shopping and all that. And the other question I have is we didn't um, designate any of the shopping centers down along Victoria's neighborhood centers like we did with some of the ones on Telegraph and I'm just not sure why, especially with one of the points up there. Yeah, I, you know, Victoria tends, it's one of the streets I refer to as a traffic sewer. Um, it's basically all about getting cars through fast. And so the idea of it over time becoming a mixed use, you know, place to live is hard to imagine. And for me that, I, although I think that is the right thing, it is a transit corridor. So I guess I'm, I'm wanting us to think about uh, how Victoria will transform over time. Will it Will there be maybe opportunity for dedicated bike lanes? There's not a lot of curb cuts, um, especially across from the government center, that area. So there's some potential there, but it's hard to imagine. So think about the long-term mobility as well. Do I see Stephanie? That was actually going to be my comment is on the Victoria corridor. You know, this is where somebody mentioned earlier, like transportation, where does transportation fit in with this? I think that's a critical component before you can reimagine, you know, it's like chicken or the egg, right? And we certainly can talk and, and add some comments on transportation and some of the needs as well and some they're kind of thinking that next step as well. Yeah, just big picture Victoria for me is um, kind of the closest commercial retail area for the vast majority of the single family homes on east side. Great, so it's serving more than just the residents right along that corridor. Similar to what uh, some of you said, especially Nick, is um, I guess in my mind, I, Victoria became the, the bypass. Okay, that's the bypass from 126 uh, westbound to 101 southbound. As everything east of us continues to grow and 23,000 houses are added to New Hall Ranch and, and so forth and so on, that opportunity to get from westbound to southbound is gonna get greater and greater. I have not given up on the idea of a bypass, of ha actually having a bypass on the Caltrans going to connect and then creating, um, <laughs> and then, creating uh, Victoria as a walkable, uh, quality, professional business corridor. 
you know. But I think the lack of that bypass has really disrupted everything from Kimball to Johnson to Victoria. So that transport, the tra transportation route kind of impacts the progression of it, but folks see it as a kind of serving the residents both around it as well as Eastside, Job Center, thinking about multimodal opportunities, lots of opportunity for growth and change along this corridor is what I'm hearing. Um, other thoughts quickly before I move into, okay, that's a good setting the stage. So Matt, if you want to review some of the comments and then we'll talk sub area by sub area. And we are capturing the comments that you were just saying to you, jotting those down. And this is being recorded. Okay, so what I'm going to do very quickly is walk through what I think is the summary of what we've heard so far at a very high level from the survey and other engagement. We thought long and hard about whether we should start with this or whether we should just say, here's three alternatives, what do you think? Um, we opted for this. You can tell us later whether you think this works. So. What we're gonna do is what we've done is we've divided the Victoria Corridor um, here into six different sub areas, um, which we can talk about. And I'll walk through um, each of those. Um, for this map, we started with what we called the base alternative, which is existing, essentially the existing zoning. Um, and the, um, the, some of the other ones, we'll start with one of the alternatives if we thought the alternative, one of the alternatives was closer. We'll indicate that on there. Most of them are gonna be base. Um, the colors, which are the outlines, don't worry about those. It's just to be able to see what they are and what those boundaries are. So we alternated black and yellow. Don't worry about those colors. The colors of the notes, the blue is where we asked a specific question on the survey about that area. And the tan is where we didn't, but we're inferring some direction. Okay, so a little bit more, a little bit more inference with the tan areas. Um, so starting with the government center, you can see the area outlined in black that we asked the question about. Um, there was mixed feedback in the survey um, between maintaining the current uses in those areas, which is essentially public, office as well as office, which is what you have in the red, and, and residential um, on the south side. Um, there was also pretty equal feedback on adding mixed use to this area. And there were some comments already about making this more of a mixed use center, adding the possibility of some residential. There wasn't clarity on what it should be. And should it be some residential, some mixed use? Should it be all mixed use, and at what level of intensity. So here it's really mixed and I think we definitely feel like we need some direction. Um, the second area is the Grove specific plan. Um, you already heard an explanation um, of that area. Thank you for circling that. Um, there was pretty mixed comments here as well between leaving the existing zoning, which is neighborhood medium, um, and or allowing a little bit more housing of three or four story residential. And again, it was about, um, about almost split evenly between the, the two of those in the survey results. Um, the Gateway Shopping Center, we did ask a specific question about this. Um, this area was again mixed. You're hearing a theme here with some of this, um, which is, a mix between just sort of maintaining the commercial designation because it's a viable shopping center 
or changing it to neighborhood center, which would maintain the shopping center but allow some residential, or allowing the whole parcel to be mixed use, which would really allow it to be more intense residential um, with commercial uses. And it was pretty split between keeping it as it is and then allowing some sort of residential with no clarity on what that means for with what that residential is. So we'll clearly need some direction. Um, the area, um, area four, which you see um, here, we didn't ask a specific question about this um, in the survey. And if you'll remember from the presentation last time with the survey results, um, the, there was a lot of comments on when we just look at which alternative for an area you would prefer. Um, it was, it, there wasn't clarity and I think people got confused over, over that. But one thing we have heard about this area from engagement is it should remain an employment area. Um, it should, and again, this is area four here. The, the dark gray is, um, uh, I believe heavy industrial right now. So it should remain a job area. It has great freeway visibility. So people brought up, it could maybe have um, light industrial flex or some office R&D uses um, or some commercial uses. Um, area number five, um, which you see here, um, is an area called Moon Drive. And this is actually not in the survey. Um, but it, part of this area is part of the specific plan, so it was, it was left out of the, of the alternative, but it is part of the specific plan. Um, we did hear from the community a lot of concern about allowing essentially up to six-story mixed use here because it's really single-family residential. And so with that feedback, um, what we heard was that in 1984, I believe, there was some design standards for lower-scale commercial or mixed-use development. So we'd recommend kind of downzoning that area from the specific plan because of its adjacency to the single-family areas. So again, that's something we heard through the process that didn't really come through in the survey, but we did hear it in some of our outreach and engagement. Um, and then the last area is sort of the, the rest of the corridor. Um, we were um, split when we did this and mixed on whether the sort of the northern part, which is that pinkish color, um, which is the office, currently office R&D, whether we should break that out separately and put it with area one. Regardless, um, right now, the purple is mixed use six stories, 70 feet, which is what's allowed in the specific plan now. We didn't come up with any alternatives for this because the specific plan was, um, was done relatively recently. We didn't hear many other thoughts or comments. We did hear this is an area for potential housing as well as for commercial development. And it's also a job corridor. It's an intensity of jobs and we don't wanna just lose all the jobs to mixed use everywhere in the city. We wanna maintain some job presence in the city. So there's always this tension between, do you maintain jobs? Do you allow residential? And so some of that is playing out um, in this area. And so the recommendation is maintain the mixed use and employment as it was identified in the specific plan, because we haven't heard otherwise, but that's why we're here tonight. Great, thanks Matt. So what we wanna do is then now backtrack and go through each of the areas and just have some conversation about them um, and ideally figure out a direction. Um, so in each of these boxes, there is a couple of options to consider. Um, there may be others as well, but these are what, as Matt said, we've heard. So sure, go ahead. Regarding area number one, what does the county want to do with their land? Have they have we reached out to them, and have they provided feedback? 
And then my basic understanding of the Surplus Land Act is anything that we zoned would have to be affordable. There would be, we would want to accommodate affordable densities because they'd have to go through the Surplus Land Act, in, which would essentially require affordable housing. Any feedback from the county that we have on that to share? And affordable housing can be included in, of course, any of those designations, right? So, um, uh, thank you. If there is interest in changing it, we can ap absolutely have a conversation with the county about what that is. They haven't told us one way or the other what they're looking. You're right, we do have to offer it up for affordable housing projects as a first shot at building there. Um, if they do want to pass on that, then um, there's other opportunities, but yes. Bill, did you have thoughts on any of these four? Maintaining the current uses and then or and or? Changing to four-story multi, mixed-use four stories, mixed-use five stories? If it's basically going to be affordable housing, we need to allow the density to support affordable housing. Do either of those other microphones work? I'm not familiar with that act. So based on what Netta said, it would only be if an affordable housing trust or something like that wanted to build there if they, if no one came forward wanting to use that land or without, without the funds for that land? Yeah, it would have to go to affordable first, but if no one wanted to do it, then it would go to open bidding. Correct. One question I have with the county is, um, I've heard generally like, who cares what we designate it because the county can do whatever they want. Can you address that conception? Put it frankly, yes, but that doesn't mean we can't have a dialogue about the, the larger area and the larger land. The county can decide to do what they like to do with that property or may have um, other ideas for master plans for it too. And they're also just a landowner property or in the city like anyone. And if the city has a vision for what that property should be, we should put it in the general plan. Right back to you. Um, great dialogue. Two, kind of two questions. Well, one is we're close to getting an inclusionary housing ordinance, which I hope would mean that every piece that's designated as potential housing is going to include some amount of affordable as a part of the project. So that's kind of awesome. My understanding of the county is that if they did anything there, it would be under some sort of lease or long-term agreement. They are not intending to relocate or sell their property. Um, and they are one of the larger employees in the, in the community, in the county, frankly. And um, they have an interest in trying to provide housing for people who can't afford to live here at the moment. So there, I believe there's room for a lot of dialogue with them. I guess, um, just a second, Sabrina. The question is, does, does this group want to come up with a recommended vision or just leave it as, as it is now and let the process play out? It seems like since the county can essentially decide what they would like to do with that property, maybe with input from the city or not, because they're the, they're the county, what we're really talking about are the other two parcels that are included in that that are in yellow and red, because those are privately owned parcels that we actually could make a difference on, on how those are developed. Is that and accurate? Um, I, I, yes, but 
um, you know, the county can do whatever they want, but like with any property owner, you can't force them to do something. So if they have something there, they don't have to change it. The county is no different. The only difference is that the county can say, we want to do something completely different from what the general plan is, and we're going to do it, right? So they, that's the difference. I think the question is, and yes, we can certainly do that, which is what I said of just let's leave the blue the blue and let the process go, and we can not even worry about it. Um, or we can say, you know, if the county changes and does anything with its property, we as the city think it should be X, whatever that is. And Sabrina, if you had to, for those other two parcels, like outside of the blue government center property, would you have a preference or a recommendation on those three options? That's what I'm thinking is that like with the yellow less of an incentive for the county-owned property. So of the options that, that are shown, are any of those more appealing to you personally or based on what you've been hearing from the community? transportation and if you created housing across the street from the government center it's an it, you know there's a natural employment pool and so it's a, it's a great way to have people be able to walk to work because if they lived across the street and could walk to the government center we have fewer cars driving around so maybe to the multifamily mm -hmm. option oh, sorry you have one I'm doubling <laughs> up um so just to clarify, the government center is like the nice green lawn with the low-lying buildings. Like it's not really crazily developed. It's kind of park-like. I think the recommendation, parking lot. But like, I, I mean, are we thinking that they just will no longer need parking at the government center? I mean, I think it's generally considered a commuter job or a lot of people do commute to it. So that would be my concern is that we would be taking either green space or a parking lot and okay, maybe they can put in a parking structure, but there's no plan for that right now. Um, and then the moon drive, did you say that was commercial? It was zoned commercial? The, the current specific plan I believe has that as mixed use. Um, so mixed use six stories. Six stories mixed use. It's okay. the same as the purple, and there was actually I'm going to go to can, Lily. Can, uh, Lily's multitasking here. Um, Lily's doing all the behind the scenes stuff. Can you go to the Moon Drive image at the end? We have an image from that. But no, I think Doug had a comment on the the government center so, as well. Or? Sorry, just to summarize. So my my personal opinion would not be to build a bunch of high rises around the government center. I think it would really dramatically change the landscape of that area. Okay, uh, I have a, a mixed opinion. Uh, one is uh, what uh, what I would change is the sea of parking. Mm -hmm. uh, the days of doing acres of parking and walking blocks to get to where you're going, <laughs> because I just haven't just done jury duty. It's really a huge parking area all the way around. So from my standpoint, it's a great opportunity to do everything from uh, a mixed use where you have an internal park area that people, whether they're, they have business there or not, would want to go. And then maybe there's restaurants. It's a, it's a missed opportunity right now. People leave the government center and try to walk somewhere on Victoria, which is not always the best ideal thing to do. So, um, but I think it's a, it can be a great magnet to uh, take advantage of the huge work, uh, 
employment base to create some affordable housing that can maybe house some of that those employees closer to the work and I think doing parking structures versus acres and acres of parking lot is a bit better way to go and it sounds like you're adding the open space incorporated into that same idea of what you're talking about okay. yeah I would like to <coughs> excuse me I would like to second uh, Doug's comment just now. I think California land is just significantly too valuable to waste for kind of flat parking. Um, and so both, actually all three of those lots, a significant portion of the blue, red, and yellow are dedicated to just surface level parking. And so dedicating at least some of each of those, um, figuring out underground, I don't know, being, uh, somehow creative about it, but allowing for some amount of parking. I mean, the government center is gigantic. So the northern half, maybe keep that, the park on the, le on the western side, and then the southeastern side have mixed use housing. Um, I think that would be preferable. So the options are kind of covered up there by that bar, but we're thinking more of the mixed use option. On the, the south, southeast side specifically. Okay. So the, uh, this this piece. So yeah. the, the red commercial zoned area. The, the southeast portion of the blue lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. And then Bill? I just want everybody to remember the, the corner of Victoria and Telephone is really a second community focal point. I mean, if you're, regardless of your political party, if you're out there, they're out there using that area for demonstrations or for support or any number of things. So I think that already pays, already is a very important focal point in the, in the community, if, if not the county, in terms of people coming out there. And I think kind of what Kelsey said, it's, it's a really important that we maintain that open space area there. So in other words, regardless of what happens anywhere else, we should have a policy in the plan that says the city wants to maintain that as a community meeting gathering focal point. Um, th this is awesome dialogue, you guys. And I, and I agree completely with Kelsey and Bill about that corner. And there's some wonderful mature trees in that area. The thing is at the moment, other than the demonstrations and occasional gatherings at the Veterans Memorial, it's really just, you know, you drive by it and you, and you notice it. That's, that's it. It doesn't have a lot of meaning to the community. What I would love is for us to, to say to the county, look, let's turn that into a real cultural center for our community. We've got a beautiful plaza there that's empty most of the time. On the weekends, forget it. There's nothing going on. And we've got acres of asphalt that are empty. Let's turn it into a real focal point for this part of the community. Maybe that plaza space becomes an amphitheater on the weekends. Maybe the, when, you, when you take open space like they have there and you put housing and other things around it and next to it, it becomes a lot more meaningful and a lot more energized. And I think that, you know, what I'm hearing is we'd like to see that become a vital part of our community, not just a hub for uh, weekday employment. Great, thanks. Um, Peter? Yeah, just I kind of got to go along with what Nick said and Doug and Steph. Um, the problem with that, I think the problem we're looking at with that one big blue block is that there's multiple uses in, could be in that area. Because you do have the green space out front, which like Nick said, it doesn't get used right now. But if there was housing closer to it, it probably could be used as a park. Um, Doug is right in that I was down there the other day. There's a sea of parking there and a sea of parking on the red 
lot to the east. Um, that, you know, do we need all that parking? There, I think there's six bus lines that serve that area. So really, do we need that to make it that car centric? Could I maybe propose something for the blue area, given the conversation we're having, which is um, that because of the county's unique role and unique role in land use um, and the importance and the size of this, that maybe we leave it as the public designation, but right through policy, what we're having in this conversation about wanting to maintain open space, not wanting to lose the green space, wanting to make it more of a place, you know, if it's redeveloped. So essentially work with the county if they choose to, to master plan this area to achieve all of these outcomes that you all have talked about. So you, let's take a quick show of hands on, on that uh, option just to see where we are. Just, and we're just talking about the blue square, um, just the government site. So leaving it as public, but addressing through, th through some policies, some ways to create some more vibrancy in that space. So if everyone, those who are in favor of just that, we'll address the other two pieces later, or separately. A little, a little so higher, see, please, I sorry. see one, two, three, four, five, six. So, so approximately, um, almost everyone, got a couple. Did you okay, get so another comment, and then I wanna hear if there's dissenting, like, no, that's a bad idea, we shouldn't do that. And uniquely, this is one of the areas from East Ventura that you can get. There's a class one bike trail that literally runs the entire length of the 126 that goes right to the government center. You know, so I, I know many county employees that walk to uh, the, the, the center. So I, I realize we're not highlighting the transportation story on here, but that is a great trail that exists. I mean, uh, and uh, and I think we have the bike lanes on uh, telephone all the way to the government center also so and, and eventually that'll be part of this as well like showing where all those transit and bike lanes and access points are I think I only saw one or so hands that didn't raise so if anyone wants to share other David well if I understand you correctly you're you're basically saying not to build housing on this am I incorrect yeah let me see if I can okay which is that there's a lot of ideas about what could happen there, but even more uncertainty about that. And ideas that came up are maintaining open space, having more open space, having parking structures, better use of the land, having affordable housing. It's unclear on what it would be, but the idea is to put out some of these ideas in the plan as policy, and then with the idea to work with the county to master plan this area to achieve both the county's and the city's outcomes for this area. With the understanding, of course, that as county property, they can do, they could build housing, they could do many different things. But, but I think this is our opportunity to, to say to the county, we have a vision for this area, and it includes housing, which by default would be um, affordable housing. And I think it's important that, that that be set forth so that they say, okay, now let, let's think, this is what the community has said, how shall we act? And, and can I ask just once that was said, which is to make sure that affordable housing is added, are there any objections to that? Not that it would be only affordable housing, just that affordable housing would be part of that. In the policy description of the vision, is that what you're saying, Matt? Yeah, the exactly, policy not in the land use designations. I guess my question would be to what degree, like how much? Are we talking about every square inch? Are we talking about some of it? No, that I think would it wouldn't be, based on what I said and what we've heard, it's not every square inch. It's maintaining some county uses there. It's maintaining open space. It's being more efficient with the use of the land and adding More of a real housing. campus sort of feel. Yeah. 
Guy, I, I, I think what, you know, we're looking at a facility that's about 40 years old. Um, it's not going away anytime soon. What I think we're talking about is a strategic surgical addition to what's there to, to infill it and give it a little bit more continuity and sense to the rest of the community. I don't think we're talking about radically changing the government center itself. Yeah, I mean, I, we haven't heard, I mean, we've heard a variety of things from the group and we've heard a variety of things from the community. I think what we're trying to do is get and, at and it, it if sounds, they're going to do Right, something. it sounds like the, the main point is we want to keep the majority of it really public focused, right, having that public use focus. Yeah, another comment on the other areas, not in the government center proper, but those areas surrounding it, which are occupied by a lot of government county employees specifically. Um, I think we need to keep in mind throughout all these discussions that there's a lot less people going into offices. And that's part of the reason that a lot of that parking lot is empty most of the time. Uh, so maybe the other office or the other spaces on the east and west and I guess south side too, could be more designed for residential instead of just commercial. So why don't, maybe we can That's a good switch. segue into, let's talk about, um, maybe we can talk about them separately since they've been brought up separately. If somebody wants to talk about them together, we can too. It sounds like I've heard quite a few comments on the at least the southeast piece here um, as a mixed juice. <clears throat> and is there a preference mixed juice four story, mixed juice five story? I guess that would be a, a no. Steph. Four. Four. <clears throat> I see some shaking of heads. Four. Across the street. So this would be the condos are. Do you have any? Yeah, these are the condos that are about two stories. There's three and four story two buildings and, there now. Two, three, and four throughout this area. Yeah. So how about? Um, so maybe we could. I'm sorry. The, what's there right now? So that would be switching from an office three-story to a residential or mixed-use four-story, which again could be that mixed-use building. It could be multi-use on one site. Any other? Maybe we could take a straw poll vote on that four-story mixed-use um, for the red parcel here. Any show of hands for that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. About. Majority for sure, but there's more hands down. Um, so we'd love to hear maybe from those who have their hands down if it's something that you'd rather see more residential or a higher level of mixed use. Any thoughts on anyone want to share? Stephanie, did you want to make it? Not to put you on the spot, but I noticed you didn't return. Yeah, I mean, I think that this area, and maybe not that red parcel, but this area, the Victoria Corridor, I do think that this is where we should look at heights in our community. Um, I think it creates something where currently, I mean, if you look at the apartment community that was recently built, um, Island View Apartments, it took a, you know, kind of a, a parcel that was in the middle of a bunch of other things, built it up just a little, and now you have beautiful ocean views. So I think that maybe not on, on uh, mm -hmm, probably, and I don't know, three, four stories, you know. So for the this area is the, do you think do you feel four stories would be okay? And then if we're as long as we're increasing, looking over in six. I would rule out okay. okay. Anyone else who? I, 
I would just say maybe mixed use one. Mixed use one, which is the three stories. Okay. And, and you're t that's for the red. For the red. Okay. Yeah, I just want to say when you know, remember what your neighbors are, and then we were talking about that with the red area and to the north, the heights. You know, I mean, if you got a six six story apartment building in your backyard, basically, it's great for the people with the view, but it's probably not so great for the people that so did didn't have that when they bought. And we are noting that this building is currently a three-story office building right now. So we'd be increasing by one story, okay? And so the suggestion was to go to mixed-use one, which is three-story, which would be the same as that building. I tend to agree uh, uh, with a lot of what's been said, especially with what Stephanie said. But I wanted to mention that as we talk about stories throughout the night and throughout the next several days, is um, I, would, I would hope that someday instead of looking at stories, we'll be looking at stories plus so many feet for architectural detail, for roof lines, for turrets, for parapets, so we don't just get square boxes everywhere, okay? So that's how I'm looking at um, my hand being raised for certain levels of floors, but that's floors plus architectural detail. It's a really important point because people often focus on the number of floors, but you can have a really attractive three, four story building or a really unattractive three and four story building, right? I guess, so looking at the red area, I think there's like, even if we were to subdivide it, there's six or so parcels there. Could there be a compromise be lower density on the sides that are facing the single family zones and condos and um, maybe some higher density facing the uh, Vic government center? So you're suggesting that maybe the southern portion or the piece along the... Like the piece... Um, for the parcels directly adjacent to the government center, um, that could be. We could do high overlays and change uh, land use designations like that. Yeah. I, I think we should expand on that. Like, uh, if so, if you're along uh, what I believe is Mordock? Morlock, yeah. And, uh, and then I think that's probably uh, Phil. To the the north and then to the east that would be kind of like the, the mixed use three and then in the the core across from the government center would be more the uh higher density uh on it and when you say mixed use three you say mixed use three stories yeah, along the okay so yeah. a, mi a combination of mixed use one which is what kelsey had said and mixed use two which is the four story so three and four story <clears throat> so if, if, if you i think we should let's yeah, I think that makes sense. Th I, probably three to four. I mean, I'm hearing three to four from more. Three to f on, yeah, three on the edges, four more, more, a little more height in the middle. So three to four stories through uh, on this red parcel, um, depending on where it is adjacent to the residential that's there, the lower density. So if we do a straw poll on that one, that option, how do we have here? See, about the same, maybe. A All right, so we're gonna. If there's not a, a opposition, like I really want to test another alternative, we'll go with that for now, um, and jump to the southern residential, the lower density residential um, and, plan and property actually, while, now. While we're doing this, I think just to sort of mention that I think the, the alternative to this one is just keeping it all three stories. She's clear. Yes, yes. 
So we're moving into this southern portion there. Oh, sorry, wrong thing. No. So the options here, again, same options that are on, at least that are written here, but we can provide other options as well. We lost the legend. And just a note on the legend too, it's a, there's a lot because that combines all of those different alternatives that were prepared for before. So it gives you all the options from the base, the core, the expanded, all of those. So just to kick off discussion of the three yellow or four yellow parcels, um, the majority of them are churches. Um, and in my opinion, if faith communities um, want to be playing a part in addressing providing their their spaces for affordable housing um, i think that's a great opportunity and oftentimes those partnerships are really important um, so i i would be supportive of these being denser housing so your recommendation would be to go to the four-story multi-family yes okay other thoughts yeah this goes back to what i just said about Knowing your neighbors, I believe on Hummingbird there below that yellow area is single family homes. So, you know, are you gonna be towering over those with a four story building in you know, I don't I don't I could see maybe four story along telephone and taper down when it gets to the back of the property. I know that's been done in like on Thompson and stuff. Really quickly, I, I think that there's a sort of an overall comment that we've heard throughout the process of wanting to um, taper down to resident, regardless of what it is on the corridor, to, to have some tapering down to the single family residential areas. And that's probably something that may be a policy for the whole plan itself. And we may not have to do area by area. And maybe we should just sort of say that now, that unless we specify otherwise, that there will be some sort of tapering down to residential areas. Does that make sense? Any objections? Yeah, I think that's great. I think that that addresses solar access, you know, all, all of those things. And it, it's hard to get a, a sense of the scale of that. But I think the shallow dimension of that is somewhere in the neighborhood of a football field in depth. It's it's, it's pretty, pretty big. Deep. So keep that in mind. There's room to to do things to address the street with, with have that tapering back. Yeah. I may be um, jumping the gun by saying this, so sorry if I'm breaking the rules, but in, you know, in terms of this area we're talking about right now, I think it's really fair to upzone it and allow for that mixed use density in order just to downzone actually the area at the south of Victoria next to the mobile home park for the sake of being kind to our neighbors. And like, I, they're really in an island down there. And if it, all of that around them is six stories, I think that's quite unfair. So if we upzone that over there, and down zone down there, I think that would be fair. Yeah, I, you know, um, Seth, I appreciate you saying that. Um, let's, like, again, keep that in your mind. We don't have to do the math now. We don't have to say, oh, we did this, now we can do this. But it's a good let's thought. Let's just do what process. we think is the right thing to do. So I hear a couple um, comments about making this mixed, or multi-story, uh, multi-family, four-story, provided we have that tapering, we're, we're gonna assume for all things going forward. Um, maybe any other? Options anyone would like to put forth before we take a straw poll on that one? Bill. Because I know there's also a legislative item called Yes in God's Backyard that I think is, is that law now or? Say I don't, that again? Which one? Yes in God's Backyard, where the faith community can do whatever they want. Do the, whatever they want. I don't 
know if that one's passed through yet, but there are a lot, to, to Kyler's point, there are a lot of um, churches that are doing, they're partnering with affordable developers and doing um, projects on the same site to provide housing. Okay. All right, so we'll do a straw poll for moving to four stories for this southern portion of the government center. So all those in favor, again, we're not approving a direction right now, so it's just a, or approving a direction, not an alternative. Okay, great. All right, so maybe we go down, I mean, we're gonna jump around a little bit, so we've been talking about Moon Drive. Um, perhaps we go to that, that one. We've had a couple questions on that Moon Drive, so maybe we can move down to that option. Um, so this, as we've been discussing, primarily surrounded by low, low single-family residential. Um, currently, it's zoned for what, Matt? I think it's zoned for the, six. Mix, the purple, the mixed-use six stories. You know, along, and I always get these two confused, but like telegraph, above Coles, right? We have those, all the, the housing that went in there. Um, and um, one of the reasons that that doesn't have a huge impact on that thoroughfare is that it, none of the housing lets out onto the main road, right? It all comes out off side roads and there are lights for them to, to get onto the street. My concern with upzoning that area of six into mixed use is that those are, you know, shopping mall entrances, right? So if you add a bunch of housing, now all of a sudden you have cars pulling off of Victoria into shopping centers that are, but you're increasing the, the slowdown on a major thoroughfare. I'm not probably explaining that correctly, but do you not understand I, under, I understand exactly what you're saying. So uh, two things. So, for t so I think we're jumping around a little bit again, which is okay. Um, so the purple on the map is already six stories and 70 feet of mixed use. So that's the base. So any change from that, if it goes to three stories or you, it goes to commercial, it's, it's, and again, this is fine if it's a recommendation, but it is a lowering of what's allowed now. So it's already allowed six stories, which is, I believe, why that new um, housing project could be built there under the current zoning. Um, there are, those parcels are massive. They are so deep that you can actually do internal blocks to them if you wanted to. Um, and so you could actually create new streets coming through there. Um, so just to sort of respond to that, and yes, if you, start, if you start putting a lot more traffic directly from those parcels onto Victoria, yeah. it could have traffic issues. And as, par and as projects, remember we're, we're doing land use, we're not approving projects. As projects get approved, they have to go through tra traffic analysis and, and those sorts of things. So there may be driveway cuts that are closed off because that doesn't work for what we're saying because of that amount of traffic. So to, to Moon Drive, so, which is the area five over here. We didn't have that on the map. We brought that up because it was something that came up in the engagement and it feels part of this area. And again, right now, I believe it is part of the specific plan and six stories and 70 feet. And there was concern when we had the, some of the community meetings about that being too high and how come the moon drive from the 80s wasn't incorporated when the specific plan was done. I didn't have an answer. And so there are some standards that were developed that were more around the three-story, yeah. kind of more of a transition from that six-story into the, the residential. So what's being proposed or what's being recommended or as an option is that not the six-story that's in the specific plan, but actually changing that to the three-story. Mixed-use mixed one, which is three stories and can allow commercial or residential with, again, the step-downs to neighborhoods. Kelsey. 
Okay, so we have one motion to accept. We'll do a straw poll in just a second. Sorry, so when we say moon drive, we're just talking about the purple square. We're not talking about the L. It's this. To be so it's going up Victoria as well. Yes. But then, okay, it's purple. So, but then the rest of Victoria is also six stories. So we'd just be down zoning that one little L. So yes. then what's the difference between building six stories in the red or the yellow versus, or even in the purple that backs up to the other houses? I guess I'm just not seeing the difference. I, I really like the idea of downzoning that specific area because the parcels are super small for the homes, but they are single family homes. They're already super tightly packed in there. So I think they're, you know, we're talking about this conversation of like being cognizant of our neighbors, building up so we're not towering on top of them. The difference up on around the government center is the streets are wide, the sidewalks are fairly significant. You're not gonna be right on top of your neighbors, but I absolutely think in this moon drive area, Significant height is going to be a significant impact to these residents. Yeah, and, and I'll just say, I, when this first came up, I actually went out and drove there. The character of that moon drive, that area in black, is very different than the rest of the corridor. I guess my question would be, what's the viability of building a six sets with zone four six stories? Is, no one's going to build a six-story building on a single-family lot, so is it kind of a moot point? Like, no one's going to do it anyways? So, so okay, yes, <laughs> potentially, but um, I guess if the the this is responding to what the community, what we heard from the community. I think the the key at at the moment it's really what would we like to what makes sense what would we like to see what would we want to recommend and. If this is one of those places where we could actually suggest a little bit of downzoning, it probably makes sense to do that. Um, so yeah, I, do you know what the depth of that parcel those parcels are that front there that are. Yeah, so I think you're right. It's not, you know, no one's going to question it. It's pretty narrow. So maybe let's do a quick straw poll in number five. And when we get to number six, clearly that's a pretty big area. And so we might have more conversations about even breaking that apart a little bit. But so with the moon drive, um, all those in favor of downzoning to the mixed juice one, if you could raise your hand. Three stories. Three stories. Okay, so I see, looks like almost, almost everyone there. Nick, you were, you were, I thought you were in favor of it a second ago, so you, okay, great. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm supportive of that, but I'm thinking in that, if it, if it goes up to three stories, so if there was room, because it sounds like a pretty small lot, could people do ADUs in their tiny little backyards? It's yeah, story. By, by default, they can, they can also add those ADUs. So maybe um, let's go to the Grove specific plan area, which is that number two, if we could slide over, there we go. Um, so remember, reminder that this was this is a specific plan area, um, which is currently neighborhood medium, and so some of the feedback was, well, maybe this is a good spot to allow some more um, multifamily, so three or four-story multifamily as a consideration. So, Bill, I was just wondering if Netta could set the table. I mean, aren't they in the middle of negotiating a development agreement for that property? Sure, let me, uh, can you hear me? She was saying sure. Okay. Um, sure, let me give some background. Um, they, I didn't mean to shush the development agreement. The, 
they are um, actively working on a specific plan um, along with a development agreement that would require annexation uh, for a configuration of single-family residents with some multifamily residential as part of that. They are pretty close to the end of that. And that's all neighborhood medium? Yes, when you mix it all up. So then would, are you Bill, saying just leave it as is because it's already in process? Is that kind of where the rec Which is absolutely an uh, option. Yeah. Why require something that's, yeah. unless the deal falls, if, if the deal falls through, then we have, you have a fallback. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it's worth wasting your time on some, if it, it, it doesn't seem like the deal would fall through, but also you can't move the goalposts once someone submitted a, a project and they're talking to, I don't know what, what, what degree, what, what, what they've gotten to in the planning process, but you can't just be like, oh, by the way, now this is, yeah, you have to build differently, so. All right, with that as a, a backdrop, Phil, do you have? Oh, here. On the expansion map, it says change from SOAR. Is that? Uh, okay. So given the feedback, maybe we do a quick straw poll on leaving this as the Grove-specific plan, um, since it's already in progress and, and pretty far along. Maybe a quick show of hands on this one. Yeah, so you're speeding this along. Okay. So I see most hands up on that one. All right. Okay, so let's move to the Gateway Shopping Center. So this currently has a, a commercial designation. Um, they're based on the survey, some of the survey feedback and other feedback, there's been some um, conversation about allowing some residential, so changing that to neighborhood center, or a mixed use three, um, which is the five story, so mixed use or, five story. Or mixed use two, or mixed or, use yeah, one. Or it's something in between, but these are the two that were a couple of the higher rated options in the survey, so. Thoughts? Looking at uh, three and then looking ahead to four, um, we, we've already seen other areas in the city where we've run into expansion of residential next to industri existing industrial. So I would caution very strongly against that, that maybe this is not a place to put housing if you are serious about the comments in number four and maintaining or expanding that for possible industrial. I can't actually, I have a question for this group. The, the blue, or Netta, maybe you know this? Someone? That's the station. It's the police department. So there's, there's a bit of a buffer um, regardless. But, I, but I, your, your point is taken. Yes, you, you, you run the risk of everything going. Okay. Other, so I hear your Kelsey, concern. did you okay. have your? I'm going to go down the line this way. I think this is a great use of the neighborhood center uh, concept. I mean, not only do you have green spaces nearby that are accessible for kids, but also it's right off the freeway. So it's really accessible for transportation for people who are um, driving you know, out of the area for work. Um, and currently above the dotted line for number four, that's pretty high density residential with apartment buildings. So that area is already fairly dense. Yeah, I'm just looking at this, agree with Sabrina, and, and then just that bottom right corner of that property is actually where Coles is, so not saying Coles will ever be removed, and the police department would never be removed, but you would probably not have housing in that corner. Of course. 
Um, a, a question, the, the, the dark gray stuff has been um, talked about as being heavy industrial, and I don't think that's... Oh, the zone. Okay. All right. And yeah, when we get to that one, the option is actually light industrial and changing. That. Okay. Yeah. Which makes more sense. The, I, I agree with Sabrina, I think actually as a neighborhood center, what, you know, what that is right now is a car place, right? It's Kohl's and, you know, who knows how long Kohl's going to be around. I, things are changing. So we're not changing it. We're just allowing for the opportunity for it to evolve in ways that make more sense for our community as our community changes. And I, I'm all for it. I, I would love to see it be a, a more of a, place Other? less of a parking lot looks like kyler is a so just to confirm neighborhood center requires commercial oh, oh yes neighborhood yeah. center requires commercial and has a portion i think it was a 25 percent or a third that it allows to be residents. so okay. neighborhood center require for because since you didn't have a microphone i'm sure the okay. viewers okay. at home neighborhood center does require a commercial with a certain percentage of housing allowed yeah a third to be residential and the rest commercial. Okay. So maybe to address Louisa's concerns, maybe the amount of residential, maybe the discussion that you were having, Nick, about it probably wouldn't be in the southern portion, most likely, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then just to wrap up my point, I, I think I'm in favor of this being neighborhood center, um, just so that as long as it stays at least partially commercial. Um. Great. Other thoughts from this side of the? I just want to caution us, LA has built a lot of housing along freeways, and uh, this is along the freeway. So if we could ask that the housing built away from that freeway corridor for pollution, for sound, for peace of mind, it's just not a good place to live. What was that, Kelsey? I'm sorry. There's always something happening. So again, some of those things that can be taken care of through the policies as well, because you're right, the health impacts and visual noise and all those sorts of things don't create a nice living environment. A third could be residential. Yeah, I, I, I would say in, in a location like that, generally speaking, the ground floor should be commercial and above that could be residential and it could be an equal amount or even two thirds residential with a, with a third on the, you know, the, the, the ground floor being commercial. I'm not sure why we would limit it. There's a difference that we came up with based, again, based on conversations with the community of there are some areas which are, seem to be mixed use. You can do residential, you can do commercial, it's okay. There are other areas where, and we're gonna get to some of this on the east side, where there's a really strong desire to keep the commercial component, to keep the shopping center, to keep the supermarket, but to allow some residential. And so that's how this concept of a neighborhood center was born. Um, and so that's why it is a third, and I can't, I have to check the exact number, but you know, it's a smaller amount so that you're not taking the whole parcel and you're not losing the commercial. Which so kind of sounds like in, in this instance, with some of the concerns about freeway adjacency and um, proximity to the kind of res or the industrial that maybe that's a, a, a good consideration. Bill? I think my concern is what retail is gonna become. Like, so Ethan Allen moved to the collection. It remains vacant for the last couple, of, granted we had COVID, but that's a 20,000 square foot space that's probably been vacant for the last three years. 
I just want to make sure we, we're putting flexibility in this to, to allow retail to become whatever it's going to become. You know, I don't know if, you know, I'm not saying Kohl's is going anywhere, but that's a 100,000 square foot facility. There are not many businesses left that take that will right. occupy 100,000 square feet of retail space. Yeah. So I, I think this is one of the challenges of what we're doing, which is we are in a very dynamic market, and some of what we're thinking about is trying to predict what could happen. So, you know, again, I think the options here from what I'm hearing are either require some commercial to stay or can do all mixed use, in which case the entire parcel could potentially go to residential. We could also put a policy in that you have to keep a certain amount of commercial. So we could sort of flip this through this and allow more residential here, um, but still require that they maintain some commercial. And I think to, to Bill's point, what is, what is commercial going it forward? It could be retail. I mean, it could also have be, to be retail office. shopping, right? So, and, and then the other thing just to keep in mind is if, if the property owner Coles or whatever goes out of business in five years, they can always come in for a land use change if they're like, hey, this isn't working. So we can always keep that in mind. But when we say retail, that implies like walk-in shopping, but it's actually commercial in this neighborhood center, right? Which I think what's particularly useful in that space is that there's a grocery store, right? And so that is the that is the part that the neighborhood would not want to lose. I mean, you know, yes, you could argue Michaels is a necessity, right? But probably that's a small. Crafters, it is. <laughs> but I mean, having the grocery store there has made a huge difference for the for the neighborhood, and so I don't think you want to completely discount the value of those large commercial anchors. But you know, Barnes and Noble is probably not, you know, going to remain solvent forever. And so, you know, what's going to take that big space? Right. Yes. Yep. Restaurants are commercial, neighborhood serving, retail or neighborhood serving, dry cleaners, hair so where salons. Are we? Yeah. So let's take a straw poll on neighborhood center for area number three, the Gateway Shopping Center. So straw poll for neighborhood center, if you're in favor of that. Looking around, just a couple. Two, no hands. So we have just, two dissenting opinions, ideas. I, I don't really dissent. I just, I, I can't support residential moving to industrial and taking okay. okay. That's all. But okay. I don't necessarily dissent. It would depend on if it was a neighborhood center would look like. Yeah, yeah. got it. Okay. Kyler. Fair enough. I'm sorry. I'm I just didn't have a strong enough opinion to uh, okay. feel either way. Great. All right. Sorry. So let's move to area four, which is the... Um, industrial employment area. So this is, this again was one that wasn't necessarily asked in the survey, so we don't have like a, this is what the community said directly, but indirectly hearing the idea of expanding employment uses along this area. So changing the designation from industrial, what is the? Heavy industrial. Heavy industrial to more of a light industrial or a flex or office R&D style. So any thoughts on this one? I'm gonna start this side of the room. Um, so you said changing from he from heavy to light, is that? To light or even to an R&D, there's a few different designations that that could, could change to, something that lessens the heavy industrial impacts. Yeah, I, th I think that makes sense. I think especially the conversation that's been going about the residential, so keeping that going light makes sense just for pollution purposes. Yeah, I, I've raised three sons here. Spent a lot of time bowling 300 games, 
you know, skating, miniature golf. I mean, I, I would hate to see that go. I mean, I think it's it's part of the fabric of our community. Uh, so I don't, I'm not offering anything there, but it, it, it is, again, how many birthday parties have we all been there? You know. So the heavy industrial, the light industrial would not preclude those sort of uses. allow for a little more intensity. The light industrial would preclude some of the heavier manufacturing from going in. I think everything that is there is probably already light industrial. Y yeah. Pepsi's the, on Pepsi's the only one that's maybe. Is there a designation that like combines light industrial with office R&D? Like can we say either or on these parcels? So the office R&D, so office R&D as it is designated is taller, it's six stories, and the light industrial flex I think is three stories, help me out Netta. Um, so, so some of it is a sense of scale, you could still in light industrial flex, you can still build offices, so you can still do that in that, it's just a lower scale. So the R&D maybe implies more like higher rise office or research tile buildings? I guess I just am a little unclear on what heavy industrial is, what current examples are in that area that would be, like would the Coke plant be heavy industrial? Coke plant, I think. I think it's zoned. I don't know if we would categorize that. It currently is like heavy industrial? Like when you hear, when you hear heavy industrial, like, oh my God, that's gotta be really horrible. But then it might be something like a Coke plant. I don't know how detrimental the Coke plant is to the community. I can't imagine the trucks going in and out of the Coke plant or any worse than the million cars going down the freeway. But, or logistics. So, so what are the ramifications from changing it from that, that zoning to a lesser zoning on the businesses that exist there already? Businesses can still operate in those areas. And I, I have, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be more like targeting more of the office light industrial flex, a little bit more of what's in the North Bank Arendelle area. I think just to uh, follow up on what Kelsey said, um, you know, we also need to be very aware that there are, we, we want to have, or I've heard discussion about the need to have a thriving art culture, and there are art activities that are heavy industrial and we are running into conflicts with that with some of the desire to move away from heavy industrial in off of olive street um, there's welding arts there's stone arts there's other things like that so i think we need to be very careful not to be like oh heavy bad you know yeah. we need to be very very um mindful uh, before we reduce a use like that. Um, and the other thing is, um, again, to support Area 4 and Area 6, um, I know that there is a desire to move to uh, a more mixed-use traffic pattern, um, et cetera, in, along the Victoria Corridor for biking, walking, et cetera, more trees. Um, but we need to be very cognizant of the need to have freight uh, it, transit ways um, it, it, for for anything in four and six and right now trying try to make a left turn getting out of Ralston there um, at, it, it's miserable it's miserable so 
it, we've got to address traffic, yes, for mixed, you know, other types of, of transportation, but we need to preserve freight corridors. Um, and I'd like to ask everyone to speak directly into the microphone. So I think we're getting some comments that people can't hear who are watching, and we want to make sure everybody can hear. Okay. So <laughs> uh, bear in mind, I think I'm the lone industrialist on the committee. And that being said, generally speaking, I would like to, I think that industrial areas are largely um, ignored or at least underserved or underutilized in Ventura. I think we need more industry. That being said, I would say, in all due respect to my good friend Louise, heavy industrial, bad. I think we should make a real move toward light industrial. But there is some confusion as what is heavy industrial. Um, I don't think the coke plant is a heavy polluting industry. Uh, I think the petroleum uh, operations on uh, uh, the West End are heavy polluting. Uh, the gas, the, you know, the, the gas plant up there. That kind of those kind of industries, I think, have to go. I think you know I've proposed before that maybe we come up with some sort of a land use designation of clean industrial, uh, or something that I'll talk about a lot more hybrid industrial. Uh, but as far as clean industrial, you know, there could be heavy machinery. Uh, you know, a machine shop is something that I would not consider industrial. So maybe there's a, a land use designation or, or as, at least a zoning that could clarify what's a clean industry, even if it's considered, you know, a heavy industry. Um, so generally speaking, if we can move away from heavy industry and encourage clean industry, that's what I would like to see happen. And I'll get on the, my, my bandwagon one, uh, one more time, one more of many more times, which is to say I don't see any reason. I see many advantages to a hybrid, hybrid industrial zoning where you can take clean industries or what I would call craft industries and allow commercial and residential in those areas. This may not be that area, but I certainly would like to see it moving to light industrial. So is it possible to maybe amend the description of light industrial flex to allow for things like the coke plant, things like craft industrial? I, I, I think so. I mean, that's, that's um, when we, you know, give me one second, then we'll move over here. I mean, I, that's sort of what I think we're hearing, which is we don't want to preclude, we want to preclude the, the nasty polluting, stuff, but the keep a wide stuff. range of jobs and uses that can be allowed. Yeah, things that don't pollute, right? I mean, I think in the case of this area here, I think it's important to remember that south of the 101 is almost exclusively uh, heavy and light industrial and office R&D. So to some respects, like it could almost make sense to have this not be uh, heavier light industrial and have that just be focused to the area south of the 101 where there is currently no residential and most folks agree that there shouldn't be residential there um, and have that kind of be like yeah. the transition of yeah, sorts. yeah yeah fit in with the rest of this north of the 101 area so just to clarify are you putting another option in of mixed use or residential in this area? Yes. 
so I'm I'm going to have an altering opinion here, but you know when we talked about the the west side and eliminating the heavy industrial on the left on the west side due to the proximity to residential, and we talked about where do we move that to then? Um, I think that we need to preserve some heavy industrial for those businesses that are legacy businesses here in Ventura that hire people that local workers work at that are contributing to our community and there is a need for some of those. Um, while I agree that a lot of the heavy industrial is going away, there are a lot of state regulations that are limiting what that can look like, I think we do need to allow for, for heavy industrial somewhere in our community. And if we look at what the alternatives are, the probably the best opportunity is something that's freeway adjacent. So it's limiting exposure to other potential areas. So Stephanie, would, are you recommending that a portion be light industrial and a portion be heavy industrial in this number four I would area? say we preserve the heavy industrial. Preserve, the, preserve it as is, heavy industrial, and then change the, the red commercial to heavy industrial as well? Ned will read it for us in just a second here. And, and it can be a modified, though I think what we're saying is, based on the comments, that we would modify the light industrial to accommodate more of the artisan heavy-ish. So the draft land use designations, which I believe you all have a copy to, has light industrial um, described as production, distribution, commercial uses that produce limited impacts on nearby properties, uh, such as noise, gas, odor, or vibration. Uh, the buildings vary in small scale industrial flex uses to large floor, uh, floor plan buildings and are more clean uses such as printing, publishing, retail show showrooms, outdoor storage, and office space. The, the general slash heavy industrial is described as more of a wide variety of manufacturing, warehouse, and distribution that can have toxic, toxic hazardous, or explosive materials, um, can ca cause more impacts to nearby properties such as noise, gas, odor, dust, or vibration, and includes manufacturing of apparel, textiles, glass, chemical products, medical, pharmaceutical products, automotive and heavy equipment, and things of that nature. Hold on a sec. So if I was a welder and wanted to open a shop, would that be light or heavy? Heavy. What about cabinet making or? Yeah, so that, that would be my concern is that we're getting rid of those arts and. I, I actually think welding, we'd probably have to talk about that. I, welding could be production so long as it doesn't have a lot of external impacts, right? So if you're a small welder and you're an artist just doing some welding, that seems like it would go in light. You disagree? Okay. I, said, I disagree, and that's based on helping businesses get permitting. Um, I also want to point out that based on these descriptions, you know, we are it, it, trying to look ahead to new world, new energy sources, et cetera. Your green energy manufacturing, heavy. Solar, battery, et cetera. So I, I actually, you know, agree with Stephanie. We have to preserve areas for heavy industrial. I, I think. 
people misunderstand, they assume heavy industrial are oil fields, right? Heavy industrial are a lot of things where people are producing the goods and services we use. It even says textiles in here. So I think. So perhaps um, even that's, yep. Maybe it's modifying the heavy industrial definition. Okay, we'll start here and we'll go around. Okay, Sorry, so do you mind if I jump in a minute? Is it more, def is it more adjusting the definition of what's heavy and, and light versus trying to find the areas to be more flexible? Is, is that a solution option too? I hate to throw another like so let's, in let's this. hear from the folks other hands raised and then we can come back to some solutions. So think about that too. Okay, so I would think that we, my vote would be to keep it, or not keep it, but to move it to light industrial, um, maybe look at how we could change the definition to address the issues of being green. Because again, like Bill was saying, if those entertainment centers over the bowling alley and all that are to retain that, uh, remain there, which I think is good, I don't know that we want to make that uh, adjacent to you know some kind of manufacturing plant unless it's really light industrial. And I thought we also decided that we wanted to move the heavy industry to the other side of the 101. I so, think. different voice. Uh, yeah, a couple things I was thinking earlier. We, it sounds like we need an actual definition of heavy and light that we can be, to make a decision. But um, a question is, wouldn't anything in there that is considered currently heavy, like even on the west side, because we've had this discussion of what would happen. Those would be grandfathered until that business moved or changed dramatically. And then if they shut down, then they would move to, you know, a new business would have the opportunity to move into the industrial area across the freeway there. A couple things. One, the, the grandfathering is kind of a way of we won't deal with it. And if you own and operate a business and you're grandfathered and you want to go in and make a change, you're in trouble, you know, to add on to your building or modify or do. Um, yeah, I think it's really hard to have this conversation looking at that little piece instead of where is the heavy industrial in our community? And, you know, if we're going to just like with residential, if we're going to downzone something, do we upzone it somewhere else? Um, but I'm really mindful of the businesses that are there and not hurting them. Um, so, yeah, I. I think the definition of heavy would be would be helpful. Yeah, I'm just going to reiterate that. Uh, I'd like to, you know, I know there's various you know, M3 zoning and M5 zoning and that kind of stuff, but uh, I, I think it would be helpful to come up with a land use designation that really covers more cleaner, non-polluting industries. And, you know, um, it was something like solar, producing solar panels that is heavy industrial and it does pollute a lot and I, I you know I would not be in favor of a lot of that kind of industry um, I, I'd like to see that kind of industry be go away by attrition and to attract more uh, cleaner industries that can provide just as many jobs if not more uh, but again I, I think coming up with a definition of what's clean what's not what's non-polluting uh, what kind of industry, you know, would actually make us stand out as a community, you know, an artsy, craftsy community, rather than a, you know, heavy industrial. So we'll take a couple more comments here and then maybe do it. Yeah, and I just, I just want to say what, what I'm hearing overall as we move on from this really quickly is this is an area that should remain as jobs. It should have a diversity of jobs. We should look at 
the definition of light industrial and heavy industrial to make sure it's targeted towards having a wide variety of things here that you all want to see that aren't the really nasty ones that you don't want polluting in your community. Um, and I also have not heard, except for Steph, add residential here. So we can talk about that as well. Sorry, Steph. Something good to Casey here. My proposal would be to take the two gray blocks, I guess, west of Saratoga and keep them as heavy industrial. That's where the Coke facility is. It's sort of abutted um, by the police center, so I think it does a nice job of protecting residential and then turning everything east of Saratoga to light industrial or where it's commercial, leaving it commercial. And that way, where it is more resonant and pedestrian focused, we're limiting impacts. In between those two is the new vet veterinary facility. Is that? Oh, vet. Veterans. Okay. Vet, veterans. Sorry. We we're talking industrial. <laughs> vet, I was thinking vet. Okay. Let's. We. So perhaps we take a a, a, a first a straw poll on rem keeping this area industrial, either heavy or light. We'll take that first, and then um, maybe our job is then to take that back and say so. we need to give some better definitions before we. Um, decide upon whether it's heavy or light. Um, go, Bill. This is one of the few areas that we actually have freeway frontage. So that, I think, I believe it's a Yamaha dealership in front of the uh, uh, bowling alley, probably does a fair bit of sales tax for us. So how do we, uh, how do we encourage some sales tax producers with that freeway frontage would also be my. So the definitions that we come up with or that are adjusted need to take into account sales tax gener um, re revenue generation, existing employers, thinking about the future of industrial and thinking about clean energy as well. So all of those need to factor into those definitions. But maybe a show of hands of retaining this area as industrial with a definitions forthcoming for whether heavy or light. Bill, I'm gonna assume you're a yes. Just, okay. David, all right. Okay, so let's move to area Six, and um, we're almost through with here with Victoria. So area six is the big this, one. This is the hardest one we're doing tonight. Yeah, this one complex. has the most areas for to talk about most sub-geography. So when we get to the next two, we, not that it'll go faster because they may be more controversial, but at least there'll be less to talk about, less topics. Okay, so this number six area is a pretty large one. It's also one that was not specifically called out in the survey question, so we don't have you know, these three choices that were asked to the community. Um, but the, the recommendation here, or the thought, is to leave this as is in the specific plan right now. So right now, this is called out in the specific plan as a, um, Matt, if I'm correct, you said six-story Yeah, it's all, it's all six stories now. The purple is the mixed-use, commercial mixed-use, and then the lightish red color is office, um, office R&D. So, so thoughts on keeping it as is, as is designated in this specific plan. So the designations that you see here are in the specific plan currently. Yeah, I think you just lost your mind. The, the definitions here are in the specific plan, and the other kind of comment, which is what came up earlier, is addressing transportation in some way in the general plan relative to the uses. So Stephanie has a comment. Yes. So I would agree with that. Oh, this is loud. Um, this, keep it at the six stories. But I also think that as we talk about the Victoria Corridor and making it more walkable and pedestrian friendly, do something behind 
where it's not necessarily on Victoria that you have the bike traffic and the walking and all of that because until Doug's dream comes true and there is a better connector from the 126 to the 101 that will maintain itself as a freight corridor. So you create something behind it that is usable and that blends in with that neighborhood in the back. To your point, Stephanie, the active transportation plan calls for exactly that. Yeah, there, there actually is a bike path that follows the Edison right away behind a lot of those places, especially like below Ralston. No, actually, I think it goes all the way up to the freeway. Um, but to go back to one of the bullet points earlier, um, we were looking at making this whole area walkable pedestrian and I think adding some kind of housing in some of those um, shopping centers that are there would make would help do that great thanks Pete. other comments on this corridor or thought or opinions on whether we should keep it as the specific plan recommendation not seeing any so maybe i'll oh louise this might it's going a little backwards but it might help with four Sorry. Um, um, just a thought about number four, retaining industrial with updated definitions. Um, I believe EPA does have a category called noxious uses. Maybe that's what we're looking for versus heavy versus light. Noxious being the one that you would not want? Possibly. Possibly. Okay, we'll look into that. Thanks. Instead of light and heavy, we have noxious and clean. Noxious and unobnoxious. <laughs> This, Nada, you might be able to answer this. Didn't the city just come out with a letter, a proposed letter about a thousand foot um, barrier between like noxious uses and housing? Look to Netta to see on that one. Here, do you want to grab this one? Oh, this is dying. Um, we did send out a letter to start conversations about that. There was a desire to put some type of buffer on the west side of a thousand foot buffer around uses like that when it came to um, heavy industrial and residential. But nothing's been passed or solidified on that. Great, so I'm gonna, no, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, I'm just, I'm looking at Google Earth because I'm trying to you know, figure out what's, what's where. Um, so for example, Marie Callender's sits on one of these prime corners there. Um, and Marie Callender's is a little building with a big swath of parking that wraps around it. And, you know, what do we want? What would we want to see happen there? The, the area that's really puzzling to me is the County Square Drive. That, that pocket back in there of the pink up above, um, which, you know, there's some fairly stable stuff there, but, you know, there's like a two, three-story office building with a bank, and how, how much, how viable are these, these banks now? And, you know, we're all banking online. We're well. Yeah. I'm I'm talking about the the space, the so, office space, not the not the actual business. Sorry so, Nick, are that. you kind of suggesting that maybe R and D is not the right use for that area? Yeah, well, or maybe we're, more? we're basically saying it should stay as it is. That's what we're saying with that pink. Well, this yes. And I don't think it's going to stay as it is. I think we're going to end up with an empty Bank of America building. You know, I mean, it's basically a drive-through auto teller now. You know, some people the, go there, but. But that R&D yeah. designation would still allow them to change into something else that's in that same category? Right, and I, you know, I think there's, are you, so are you suggesting that 
all or some of that pink area be converted to mixed use to allow flexibility, or are you saying something else? Acapulco has been sitting there empty, you know, a, a 6,000 square foot restaurant, two stories with a parking lot, is sitting there empty for a decade. Netta said they're redoing oh, what's it. What's in there? Okay. Great. Yeah. So, the, so Nick is suggesting that we take this pink area and also kind of extend the purple basically through the, the corridor. Is that sort of what you're throwing out there as an, as an idea? Okay. The question is why not? The question Which is why is, not? I guess a proposal for could we? So thoughts from thoughts on Nick's idea from anyone extending the mixed juice or expanding the mixed juice? Um, I guess my concern would be that if you if you extended the um, the six story possibility all the way up, right? Then on the on the back side of that pink area, you have housing that's two story housing. Um, so. I would, I mean, I, like I think four stories is okay, but six stories to me seems extreme against, because those are not huge areas, right? So if you put a, if you put a six story building towards the back of that, um, you're overlooking an entire neighborhood of, of single family homes. So Sabrina, this, the pink already allows six stories. The R and D so is, is it to reduce that six story designation? Where right now it's up to six stories, but that's a R&D style yeah. commercial so office building. Two, two other things. One is I think there's a, a creek or a pathway going through there, so there is a natural buffer. Two is we talked about having the step down regardless of what that height is. Um, not that we shouldn't do that. I just wanted to bring that in to what we were saying. Kelsey. So I think when we're talking about changing something from six-story R&D to six-story residential, no one's building six-story R&D. So I don't think it's a fair comparison to say, oh, well, six stories is already allowed because no one's going to build that. Um, so I would caution just against that. Uh, I also am worried about just rezoning everything to be residential across the board. I think that there are ramifications from an economic development side, especially given that that area is a huge employment region. So I am not all for just rezoning everything as mixed use. So is it to keep it this so way? So your, your preference would be to keep the R&D and the designation as it is represented currently. Bill? I, I kind of want to echo that because a, a lot of those businesses are supporting the government center. You know, they're auxiliary to it. And I don't want to disenfranchise any of those businesses that are supporting the government center. Uh, in terms of, I mean, there's law firms in there, they're, you know, to be next to the government, to next to the Hall of Justice. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> um, okay. So, so and, and there's, you know, there is a possibility just to say the little um, southeast corner could become mixed use in the rest office. Uh, I agree, Kelsey. I agree with what you're saying. I'm not, I'm not advocating that we just let it all go to residential. I, I would actually like to see some of it be required to be some sort of, you know, mixed use with commercial component with a percentage of, um, but also then the opportunity that people can live really close to where they're working and um, 
Yeah, so I, I'm not advocating that we just wipe out all the commercial support uses and put housing in. So any thoughts particularly on maybe to Nick's point, maybe not this, or to all of everyone's point, maybe not the northern portion here, but perhaps this little L shape um, to have more of mixed use across the street from one another or just leave it as is? I believe if we're talking about the credit union and the Bank of America, I mean, I agree, it's, it's, it's some, there's some clock ticking down, I don't know what it says, but it is clicking down, you know, it's not gonna be that forever, so that probably makes sense to look at that. That, that, that area there, yeah. Okay, so we, have, so we have a couple thoughts. One is keep it completely as is, leave the office as is to allow that to go. The other is to potentially take the L-shape portion and convert that, allow that to be mixed use. And leave the northern and then corridor portion as R&D. Yeah, I was just looking below, below where Bank of America is, south of it on Victoria. Those are two office buildings, I don't know how full they are anymore, but I know one was proposed to turn into apartments, actually. I don't, it looks like it dropped off the map, so I don't know if it's still gonna do that. But yeah, I, I would favor mixed use there. Okay, so, no, oh, go ahead. I guess I'm, I think one of the things we're, we're hung up on a little bit is that mixed use, you know, yeah, that's great, it's a mix of uses and people can live and work, and, but we're saying it could all become residential, and so we're feeling like if we call it mixed use, it's just gonna go to residential. And I think there's places in the community where that might make sense, but there are places where I think we want to try to encourage some of that commercial and office and other uses to remain and to flourish. And so how do we do that without just opening the, the gate to it just all becoming housing? How does the specific plan address that currently? I don't think it allows residential. The current, the specific, in the rest of the corridor, how does it? The corridor allows. I was just asking how the specific plan addresses the mixed use discussion right now. Uh, okay, as it happens, um, my sister was looking at uh, possibly buying a house in that general area. And her big question is, can I walk to the store? So I, I, I think I, I'm, I'm all in favor of, of uh, Nick's suggestion of making the whole thing, if, if I've got your suggestion right, making the whole thing mixed use, perhaps with some requirement that a certain percentage stay commercial. Because you know mixed use means you can walk to work. Um, so it's not trying to displace the commercial, or it's trying to uh, integrate it so that there's less traffic. Uh, so I'm all in favor of uh, a mixed-use area there, maybe with some um, uh, requirement of a certain percentage of commercial. Are you talking about the whole or the whole piece? I'm talking about the whole piece. The concern being that the mixed-use could just be all residential only and not create those uses for people to walk to and that environment that we've been talking about wanting. And we can also, again, we can add policies to certain areas that require a certain amount of, you know, that require there be ground floor commercial space in these buildings. So that, that is a possibility anywhere we want to do that. So my feeling is we already have a lot of mixed-use space at, the, at that middle section of Victoria, and now we've talked about adding that little L where the credit union and the bank are in those office spaces. I think it makes sense to preserve those pink lots as R&D office space um, because, again, we, we need to have spaces that 
we are preserving for businesses that won't be able to compete against a rental market that we all know is off the charts. Right? And I think so. that I think that's generally where I, I hear consensus going on that. So maybe we could do a, a straw poll on just that, what you said. So the idea of maintaining the mixed use and creating more assurances that it will be mixed use built into the policies, changing this little L shape to mixed use as well, and preserving the R&D at the northern portion. Um, so with that as a option, maybe a straw poll on that Actually, option. Actually, can you hold on one second? Oh. Since Kelsey just got back, can we repeat that? I just want to make sure you're, you're So we were saying leaving the designation, the specific plan designation throughout, with the exception of this little L, making that mixed use, but leaving the R&D in this entire um, section of the corridors. And also creating a policy that identifies mixed use as real mixed use that incorporates um, a mix of uses, not just residential. Based on what Nick said earlier, if we did neighborhood center, it would be 30% residential, 70% commercial, or no? I think what the idea is is that it goes to mixed use, but there's a requirement. It can be mostly residential, but there's a requirement for some commercial. So, so it's different than the neighborhood center. So it, if that changes to mixed use, the existing businesses, the credit union specifically, could remain even though there would be more flexibility. They would be grandfathered in with their existing use. Yes, and they're allowed in that environment anyway. Correct. Someone could come and build that today in that mixed use zone. So. If, I'm, if I'm understanding correctly, the purple stuff is mixed use. I don't know if we got the answer to the question. Does that mean that that could just all go residential at some point? So what we're so, saying is, though, introducing a, a policy related to that that would require more, what we're talking about is mixed use to be yeah. part of that. So not, um, so ground floor retail or something of that sort, right, Matt? Is that what you're saying? So I guess what I was thinking was why not just let it all go to purple with a requirement that there be a component of commercial permit? Because I think what they're... they're the northern piece, what they're saying is to have this not competing with residential to allow this to truly be, oops, I'm not even on there anymore. This. And, and that's what I heard, which is that the L shape allows some more flexibility, but um, the northern area there of the pink, leave that as it is now so that there's no residential intrusion there. And so there's no competition with residential and development that, so it can truly be office. Okay. So let's take a, with that as our, our option, maybe take a straw poll here on who wants to go that direction? Everybody. All right, looks like everyone. All right, so, oh, sorry, Kelsey. Okay, not, not Kelsey, sorry. I thought I saw your hand up. So let's take a five-minute break. I know Matt's going to, I'm saying five because sometimes it takes a little longer to get back, but I just think everyone needs to stretch your legs a little bit, and then we'll come back, and we can, I think we can get through the next two areas in a, we, less than an hour, And we are minutes. starting in five minutes. So be back by before 8.10. So just a quick, quick stretch your legs, grab a drink, bathroom break, and then head right back. That R&D, this area, has a general plan of how to Yes, so we'll have a full hour. So which are cornerstone of our designation allows residential. Yes. So, like, in reality, this wasn't just office. They could come in with a six-story residential project. Yeah. Especially because we didn't... But we just need to be cognizant then that this is down zone. Or are we going, you know what I mean? 
right? Similar culture. She was like, your mics are on, your mics are on, your mics are on. All right, are we ready? Eight ten. So, so we are going to move into Pierpont, and as we started with Victoria. We do want to just take a couple minutes. Um, we're going to show a slide that shows what the general plan offers up around Pierpont. Um, but again, just to set the, the tone for our discussion around Pierpont, just want to do popcorn style, just a few comments from folks around the table on what your thoughts are regarding Pierpont. Okay. So it is, we know the sound is rather challenging with the, the mics, but we want to make sure those that who are listening from home can hear us as, as well as possible. So there we go. All right, we'll start with Bill. Actually, I don't have a comment. My question is, the people at home, can they access these documents? And are they available to them? So, so they should go on the websites, or the, the GPAC, and pull it up. Yes, it's with the GPAC material. It's with the GPAC material on the project website. Thoughts on Pierpont, to start us off, just some general observations or thoughts on the area, just to kick us off. Sure. All right, Nick. So shut. Um, well, Pierpont's an amazing place, you know, it really is. And unfortunately, it got severed from the, t maybe not from their perspective, it got severed from the town by the Great Wall of Ventura, the freeway. Um, one of the, so I, I think most of us would really like to see South Seaward thrive. We've got that piece of property sitting there empty, and I think maybe in some ways it's okay that it's taken as long as it has because it's a really important piece of property, and would love to see something happen there that just is really relevant to Pierpont and to the community. Biggest frustration I have is the overcrossing of the freeway and, and, and the uh, stretch of seaward that wraps down under the trestle and and through that area and it is so unfriendly to anything but someone speeding in a car and i would love for us to see how to address that in this planning process great another thought or so and and to remind everyone here in the room you all do have copies of this in your packet yeah. you just have to turn the page yeah you just have to turn the page <laughs> It's, it's double-sided. That's, that's the We've hard part. We've been here. It's okay. All right. Well, let's go ahead and, and move into um, looking at the, the map and the options, and I'll let Matt walk us through that. Sure. Um, so we have a lot of five areas here, but I actually think there's not necessarily a lot of change from what the existing is. So let's just start walking through. Um, Area one, um, which in this map is all gray, which is the industrial. Um, there's a slight, this is one of the, I mentioned this earlier, is one of the modifications. You have the county credit union, but then in, um, in the green, that is actually, um, I believe, high density residential in the general plan. So, um, what's that? From the 2005 general plan. So the existing general plan has that as residential right now, and we know there's a proposal that it's at least being kicked around. Um, area, and so the 
um, so the recommendation is leave it as residential with the county credit union. Um, area two is the SOAR area. We asked about whether that should be thought about incorporated into the city for some use, resoundingly no. So recommendation is based on the feedback, um, move that out of the conversation. Um, area three, um, the recommendation is essentially to leave the the, the zoning the way it is now. This is an area that may be subject to sea level rise. Um, there's already a project going in, there's hotels. Um, the, the kind of hatched overlay is the commercial tourist oriented. Um, so it's part of the coastal zone already. The uh, Marina Village Shopping Center is already mixed use one, I believe, so it already allows some residential, but um, it is commercial as well. Um, and so the idea is leave area three alone. Area four um, is essentially, again, leave as is. Um, that gray parcel there, which is um, an industrial parcel now, is recommended for the, the city fire department. So that would potentially move to public or just stay the way it is. It's publicly owned right now. Um, and then area five, at least, is all residential medium neighborhood medium in the general plan so the recommendation is just keep that the way it is and so in in short the recommendation from what we've heard from this through the process is um, keep the designations really the way that they are right now without much there wasn't there didn't seem to be a lot of conversation and a lot of desire for change um, in this area um, area one, so it's, it's, let me, I'll clarify that. The, the difference is the map, we were looking at zoning, and when we went, after we did this, we went back and looked at the general plan, and this is an area where the general plan and the zoning are very inconsistent, and the general plan, because it allows residential, it, it, that's what we should have put on the map here for existing. It should have been residential here in that the, so should everyone just assume, for sake of re reviewing this map, that this is a different, this is residential? Yeah, we should, well, so we should assume it's residential. Um, we can, of course, make recommended changes to this. You can change it out of residential if you want. We, again, will have to think about the math later about where the residential would go. But, um, you know, the idea, because there's, because of what it is now, um, we, that's the, the recommendation, and I say recommendation, which is kind of what I feel like we've heard from the process. And we did hear a lot of what Nick had said about the, the transportation system here and needing to improve that. Not to make it super, sorry, Sabrina, to make it super convoluted, but it is a bit convoluted. That site um, in the 1989 comprehensive plan is industrial, in the 2005 general plan it's residential, but it didn't go through a local coastal program amendment. So that would still need to happen. So for the, the discussion here, um, just want to make sure that's clear about, it's shown 2005 general plan residential, but it also needs to go through a local coastal program amendment. It needs to go through a LCP amendment to be residential? Correct. So it could actually be, it could actually stay as industrial. It, it could if that is not processed. Okay. So it actually could go either way there with that, it sounds like. Yeah. No, it's only the, only yeah, the green. There you go. Okay. So yes, is it residential or is it industrial? Yes is the answer. 
That's the credit union. Sorry, it, if you if you turned at the Chinese restaurant that is no longer there, right up above that is a big beige building that is a like it was a fruit processing plant, I believe, and it has the word Sunkist written on it. Um, you have to drive past it to get to the homes that are on the other side of Vista Del Mar. Well, that was the question was, aren't the there already approved plans? Yes. So. <laughs> so it's called the Lemon Grove packing plant, if that helps. And uh, yes, there is a proposed development on there to build residential. So there is a proposal currently in the city to build residential on this area that's currently industrial. I just wanted to be super clear as, as, as this comes forward, as clear as that was um, about the many steps. Um, Are they getting an amendment via the Coastal Commission they would is the need question. To, they would need to. They would need to get an amendment. So clear as mud with this area, apologies. So let's maybe, maybe we'll back up to number one because I think three, four, and five we're saying two, main, three, four, and five. Well, sore is the sore, so whoops. Um, but two, three, four, and five is saying stay. Well, is it sore in this specific plan or the existing as well? So two, three. Oh, getting dizzy. Lily, what are you doing? I, mean, I think the number number one is a little more complex, so we might want to have a larger conversation about that. But let's let's just do three, four, and five, which is retaining the current designations. Um, Town, the, the number five with residential, number four maintaining as well, and number three maintaining the current zoning. Any discussion around those? And hold on. Question was, is there industry on number five already? Yes, but. Can you hear me? Yeah. There is on part of it. Part of it is um, uh, under construction for a residential, and then that's um, on this part. Uh, and then on the other half, there are still in industrial buildings. Yes. So number five, the red, half of it is under construction for residential, and half of it is still industrial. But it's currently planned for in, in residential. It is. The general, general plan, plan is general residential. Plan. So, yeah. So let's. Do you want to tackle them one by one? Okay. So number five. Let's go from high to low. Number five. Maintain the current general plan land as land use designation as residential. Okay. I'm seeing almost everyone there. Um, number four. Oops. Maintain the current zoning which is, Matt? The current zoning is commercial, which is the red. The hatched is commercial tourist oriented. And then the gray is industrial, but it's owned by the public and therefore firehouse is what the idea is at that one. So, so potentially public on yeah. that? So who wants to see it stay that way? professional office and not
Oh. And commercial allows for professional office as well. So do we want to retain this as shown on the, the map? Show of hands. I see most, okay, see everyone. All right, let's, uh, area number three is also, we're looking at um, maintaining the current zoning and as here as well, which has some mixed use and some of that um, commercial or the overlay. And there was, a lot of conversation in the community process about sort of maintaining and enhancing the sort of the, the unique beach town character um, that is here on the commercial areas. Certainly so there's a lot of, of the policy and description that will go into this whole notion of who and what right. Pierpont is and why it's so valuable and important. But in terms of land use, not making some any drastic changes in this area. So approve. Do we have comments first? Question. Question. So for the mixed use, right, the purple right next to the number three, what zoning is that now? Well, mixed use what? It's not mixed use, it's, no, oh, that's commercial mixed, commercial, commercial coastal mixed use. mixed use, so it's its its own kind of thing, okay. And then um, just a thought about a neighborhood center there at the Marina Village designation. About designating that as neighborhood center? Neighborhood Des center designation at the Marina Village Vaughn Shopping Center. To allow for some flexibility and um, potentially adding some housing there. So Thoughts on that idea? So, Casey so says thoughts yes. on changing some. to neighborhood center from mixed use one? Just so for the commercial marina, just for this portion? Yep. Show of hands for that idea. So, so the idea of keeping everything as is, with the exception of what Pete said, in, in, cre including a neighborhood center here at the Marina Village Shopping Center. So we talked about neighborhood center being able to add some flexibility to a, potentially incorporate a third. But not allow. But the, but the change would be to maintain a large amount of commercial, commercial there and not allow it to go to all residential. Right. But with, with some residential allowed. So with that. Um, So no. Neighborhood center. Neighborhood center here at the. Yeah. Lily, do you have that one? Lily has it, so it's recorded. Okay. So show of hands for that subtle change. So keeping it as is, with the exception of adding neighborhood center at the Marina Villa. Before we, looks like we have most, but go ahead, Kyler. No, you're good. So um, neighborhood. Sorry, I'm trying to follow, but neighborhood center versus the coastal mixed use. What's the difference between like the heights for neighborhood center? I, I'm just worried about choosing something that's N okay. Netta said the same. Okay, got it. So you're good. Okay, so it looks like we're good on Wait. another question. So, uh, sorry, I just want to ask a question because it came comes back to something Kelsey said. So, if that is a as a shopping center and as a mixed mixed use, is there as much of an incentive for someone to to go higher? Because um, once you add residential, there is an incentive, right? It, is that incentive already there or not there? Okay. Noted that it was already the, the, incentive, the incentive is, already, is there. already there. This is actually a slight change to reduce the amount of develop uh, the amount of residential allowed in order to maintain a strong commercial component. Right. The neighborhood That's, center would 
Disson. So we're good. I think we had mostly or majority or if not all showing their hands there. So number two, looking at the SOAR area, um, certainly, as Matt said, we got a strong direction or to maintain agricultural uses in this area um, and not incorporate it. Is that what you had noted? Any objections? Yeah, we Absolutely. And I think it's very gratifying to see such strong public support for agriculture. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize is, is agriculture is not simply putting a seed in the ground and then a plant comes up and you pick whatever the plant grows, right? There's processing that's necessary. Um, you have to transport the goods. Um, within the county of Ventura, the policy is for ag processing, which includes chilling fruits and the like, so that they can actually make it to the store. Um, that has to happen in industrial zones. So just want to put that in people's minds that to support ag, we need to also support a certain amount of industrial. Otherwise, farmers are going to grow stuff, but they're not going to be able to sell it. Thanks, Louise. Bill and then Mine is actually a general comment. Again, I'm getting texts. This is not part of the packet that's available to the public with the different numbers on it. So the PowerPoint doesn't reference. Slide deck will be posted after. It is only the, the other background information, not this. No, I understand. So if we could, as we're describing these areas for the folks at home, if we could just kind of generally describe what area one, two is, just so that they can follow along. Sure. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Kelsey. I agree with um, Luis in, in keeping the 1999 designation of industrial in that area as opposed to the other one. And since the amendment hasn't been done, then that wouldn't seem to be problematic. So for the area number one, you're saying maintain that as industrial? So, she's, so we're, let's, let's do this. Yeah, she was just commenting support. Yeah, you were supporting okay. number one based on Louise's comments, but. So, you're just you're just noting. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. Don't get rid of all the industrial. Okay. So let's so let's, let's go back to number two. So just if there, I think the easier question here is if there are any dissenters on keeping number two with the direction to maintain ag. Okay. So now unless Nick, you had a comment on that. Okay. Sorry. The relationship of that um, agriculture and those residences right there along that edge. And I don't, I, you know, it's, it, it's a little problematic. I think the agriculture was probably there before the housing was, but it tends to be a lower income along that edge, and that area is a little less desirable, and I don't know what we can do about it, honestly. It's an existing condition. What are, are there, I'm sure there are policies in place with agricultural adjacent to residential. It's, or we will, yeah. that's a I mean, good. I mean, we also, this, this is, Area two is in the county, so it is county-controlled land here and county land use, and the rest is, is within the city limits. But those are important considerations for the residences adjacent yeah. in terms of pesticides and all those sorts of things. So, so let's move back to confusing number one. Um, so maybe, Matt, if you want to give a little characterization of number one again, just for those at home who are sure. maybe having some trouble orienting. Okay. There we go. Can you zoom in a little more? 
on number one, there we go. Um, all right, so this area, and apologies for the confusion, and you can hear probably why there is this confusion. So right now it is um, zoned industrial in, in the zoning code. Um, the area that, that is um, not the county credit union, but the remainder of this area, which is outlined in green, um, is industrial in from the 1989 general plan, which means that the local coastal plan, which is still valid, applies. The 2005 general plan changed the designation of this to um, neighborhood high, which allows up to 54, 20 to 54 dwelling units per acre. And so we have this mix, and there is a current proposal for residential for that area, which would need a change from the local coastal, the LCP from the Coastal Commission in order for it to go from industrial, which is what the Coastal Commission thinks is allowed there, to residential, which is what the 2005 general plan thinks is there. So, really clear, right? Right, so I think the question is what happens with this. And, and how, how far along is this proposal, Netta? Uh, they've done a pre-application and are submitting a formal application for the project. But they still have to go through the coastal. Yes, and it has to go through the whole process. Does that include the credit union or that's separate? Credit, no. And that's I mean, the... Credit union is, so yes, if the credit union were going to be residential, credit union is not residential in the 89 plan, right? Or it is? No, it's, com it's light industrial. 89, it's all industrial. 89, it's all industrial. So the L LCP is all industrial. 05, I believe, is industrial for the, where it says county credit union. Whew. So Nick and then Steph. <laughs> The question is, what is the proposal? A little bit more detail on what's proposed. Venture Coastal LLC. So, so I'm not sure off the top of my head exactly how many units. It's a mix of um, attached single-family residential type townhomes and high-density residential. Not sure the exact mix or unit off the top of my head. I'm sorry, Nick. Just very quickly, I would echo what Kelsey said earlier, you can't change the goalpost, you know, once the game is in session. So I would think that, you know, in in the 2015 plan, this, or 2015, right? 2005, sorry. Uh, 2005 plan, this was deemed residential. I think that we keep it at residential. Yeah, I think, I think the challenge is there's two goalposts and you, they're picking which way to move down the field. Right, you already have someone playing the game. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is not a, a black and white thing. That happens to be one of the most incredible pieces of property remaining in the city. It's really amazing. Um, in 2003, I was working on a proposal there and really encouraging the city and the developer to cut a deal to, to have that development help enhance the Seaward overpass for bicycle and you know widening pedestrian connection just i was you know looking for those nexus between creating value for a, a development and creating value for the community 
Um, I don't know that this is even the right form to talk about that, but I'm putting it out there. It's not the wrong form. Great. Other? Uh, Bill. So is the credit union a huge inconsistency then also? Uh, no. Well, the credit yes. union. Yes. But is it, it's industrial, and it's a bank. It, it's, I think it's light industrial, which allows the, you, which allows office. So thoughts on residential in this area? I've heard a few folks so, saying. Yeah, we've heard, I guess we've heard support. two things. Just maybe I can summarize. One is make sure it's residential because there's someone already moving down the field towards that goalpost with that. The other is. Um, change it to, you know, keep it as industrial, which was what was in the local coastal. So those, I think, are the two things we've heard for that parcel. Neighborhood center as an option? Is that what you're suggesting? Would the plant there is the... Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. The, current, hold on. the question was, is the plant that's there currently active? And I think the answer looks plan like Plan no. or plant? Plant. Plan. The, plant. The plant. The, oh. the actual plant. Is, is the packing plant active? We and don't I'm know. And I'm hearing no. And by, then I'm seeing some yes. So, so some residents are saying yes. So it sounds like maybe there is some activity there. Okay, raise your hand if you're really confused by this. So let's just... Yeah, there's a little, con but let's raise of hands and we, we can also do this a couple times. So raise your hand. Oh, do you have a question first? No, you're good. Because my tendency would be to support maintaining it as light industrial, but I just wonder, would that expose the city to litigation given the confusion about this space? Do you want us to come back with this one? I mean, we could, we could do a straw poll, but we can also talk to the city attorney and figure out what obligations there are with this because it is, it's really confusing. So, Nada, you said there's a formal application in the process? Correct, yes. So if they complete their formal application before the general plan's done, it's a mute point and it's not gonna change it. Yes, they still need an LCP amendment, though. And that could take a while, right? So. But so. again, they are applying for this project based on this being zoned, wanting this zoned high-density residential. I know this is super because it's, convoluted. Because the general plan identified it as high-density residential. The zoning just never got changed because it didn't get approved by the Coastal Commission yet, or it hadn't gone through the whole process, if I'm understanding correctly. So. I'm gonna, let's hand it to Bill, and then I have a suggestion. Actually, my question is: Are there any other of these? If you're gonna, if we're gonna delay, are there other one, properties like this yeah. in other areas? Good. Um, don't know. Maybe. The ambiguity for for rezone. This is like the only one in Pierpont. It's the only one in Pierpont. Are there others elsewhere? Yeah. yeah. Not in any of the areas of discussion. Okay, so I would like to propose 
that we go back and do a little more digging on what all of this, what it means to do different things here. Because I feel like we're not really able to give you a clear answer because of the complexity of this, and we'd like to actually give you clear information before you decide on this. Show so, of hands if you like that but, idea. But, on, but everything else, it sounds like we have some clear direction. Yeah. So if you want us to come back with more information before making a, a, a decision or any kind of direction. Okay, and then does anyone have their hand up for another reason? I see Kelsey. <laughs> thought so. Um, so this is kind of bringing up, I think, one of the dangers of zoning a bunch of things, just mixed use one, mixed use two, mixed use three, is that there's going to be the tendency to go 100% residential. And so I would caution that maybe we should consider neighborhood center for a lot of those areas that we've deemed mixed use um, or really change the definition of mixed use to have a solid percent of required retail or commercial. Okay. Great point. Okay, Louise. You know, um, something that Nick said made me go back and reconsider um, area four and, and not in any way meant to be n not supportive for our firefighters and our fire department, but is, is that tank, old abandoned tanks where they do their training, et cetera, is that the best use of this ocean view property? Could we revisit that? It's it it is a little sunken, but it but it's got coastal. You know, it's it's near the beach. If if the group feels it's the best use, fine. But it, I'm wondering if that can be placed someplace else, or if there's enough room on there to do a fire station and something else. Is that well? It's not a fire station. They're empty old tanks. It's but proposed. As a fire okay. Station. Okay. That's different. That that I didn't understand. Right now, they're empty old tanks where they right. do their training. Right. That's where you're gonna. So, are, Louise, are you still comfortable then with the recommendation earlier? Or, but I think that noting that how valuable this property is is really still important, whether it's a fire station or it's anything else on that property. And again, a concern that I've heard brought up by the folks in Pierpont is even if we were to build that station, there is still nothing on the south side of the 101 that serves the Pierpont area or anywhere south of the 101. So I don't know if that station ultimately serves what we hope it does. Try that. My question is if so, if your favorite seaward overpass collapses, how do we serve Pierpont? So, from a service standpoint, that location may not still do exactly what the Pierpont residents are hoping because of where it's located. Okay. Oh. All right, so we are, I think we're going to, if we're going to put the number one side on hold until. Um, the next meeting, maybe we can just start. That doesn't. I don't think we're going to get too far in the east side, but maybe we can at least start the dialogue on the east side. Um, is that? So, oh, we do a public comment, but we have one, only one comment so far. Um, so we have probably about ten minutes if we want to start the dialogue on the east side. Actually, 
or like, let's see what the, okay. Um, don't, do, how, let's, let's hear from others. Do we not want to even go down the path of Eastside right now because you would rather just do it all at once? Can we see, I, I think we can potentially get through Eastside. Let's show you, we'll show you first. How about, how about this? Why don't we show you what we have and then we can decide what to do? How's that? Okay. Um, so east side, there are really three separate areas that we're talking about. One is the areas marked with one are essentially shopping centers right now. The zoning on those allows six-story mixed-use. Through the survey, what we heard is convert those to neighborhood center. So maintain primarily commercial, allow a small percentage of residential. The commercial and shopping is really important on the east side and losing those to all residential would have an impact, a, ne a very negative impact. Um, the second is the number two, which is all of the current agricultural parcels that I believe are not, these are not in SOAR. So these are outside of SOAR, but they are agricultural parcels. Um, and the question is, um, and the, the direction was to leave them as agriculture. There were other proposals in there and other alternatives about part residential, part um, R&D, um, but clear direction from the survey to maintain um, that as agriculture. So that's those two areas. Um, then there is area three, um, which is um, at the corner of 126 and Wells. That is currently in the county right now and part of the Satakoy Wells community plan. We presented multiple options and some was maintaining the current agricultural uses, so sort of keeping it, don't annex it into the city and keep it as a county island. Um, the, other, the other was to consider mixed use of four stories or five stories for that area. And it was essentially split between keeping it as agriculture or annexing it into the city for mixed use. Those were the, those were the areas. Now the question is, we have 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Do we want to pause and come back to this at the next meeting, or do we want to do this now? We hear, I have one vote for now. <laughs> Pete wants to be beaten now. Yeah. Now, and, okay. And the conversation, and of course, from the east side early on was, or east side residents indicating they needed more services, right? So that's why the, those number twos were even at play at all. And, and a couple of other things really quickly with this. There were some conflicting things we heard throughout the process. So one is there's not much room for development on the east side. Leave the east side pretty much the way it is, but add some, add some commercial uses. The other was we really need to spread development throughout the city, and the east side should have more, get more of the development. So we've heard two, two conflicting things just to sort of couch the conversation. So maybe we can take these one by one here. So maybe starting with number one, the direction to change those existing shopping centers to neighborhood center, which we've discussed has that small percentage of housing allowed. So Kyler. Yeah, for number one, I don't necessarily have an issue changing it to neighborhood center, but is there a way we can ensure that those uses stay grocery stores? Like, 
So probably seeing Matt shake his head that you can't mandate grocery store, although it seems like there is a market for grocery stores, particularly if that's part of that went to residential. And then Philip. Uh, personally, I'm in favor of it cha being changed to neighborhood center. I have a question about that. So the, the, the idea is that we would limit the amount of residential that could happen there in order to ensure or encourage that the commercial use stays. With the affordable housing California mandate, would that supersede the limit we put on how much residential? So if we said 30% residential, would the California mandate mean that if they came in with, you know, the percentage of low income or very low income housing, they could build additional to that. And I'm just trying to figure out what the chemistry is of that and how that would work. The, the so you're wondering if the density bonus would allow, by law would allow additional. And I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. I just yeah. want us to understand what it is we're, we're It sounds like about. potentially that would be the case. Yeah. So my understanding is Obviously, anytime you have residential, you're allowed to have the state density bonus, but it's limited to a percentage and you get waivers on it. So I, I don't think that if we craft it right, they're going to be able to take the whole parcel and make the entire parcel residential. And I think that's what you're concerned about, right? But that would, we're 30% by area, it could potentially go higher. Um, we still have the commercial, correct. Correct. And then Philip had a. So the, uh, the, the center that's on um, Kimball, the first number one, uh, that's, I don't think it's a good idea to make it a neighborhood center because it's already kind of congested. Uh, there's a great school across the street. The parking lot does get pretty full if you start putting another level on it. The homes that are on the south side there are all one story. That's going to be encroaching on them even more than, than it already does. Uh, maybe the one on Scandia um, could be, or even the one on, I guess that's telephone and whatever that is, Pettit. Um, that might be accommodating neighborhood center. But I think the, the one where Spartan Final is, I think that's, it'd be too much congestion because the kids are there and the parking lot gets full and okay. uh, it's, it's too much um, did, height. Thanks, Philip. Nick, did Nick? Yeah, I, I have a different perspective on it. Um, oh, Nick's confusing. Because um, you're right next to each other. Kids right? living there means they can walk to school. I like that. Um, I don't think we should say that this center is, is different than the other centers, that, that the kind of uh, change we're trying to create in the fabric of our community is not exclusive to a particular area. That's, that's my perspective on it. Uh, I've done a lot of thinking about the east side, and uh, I can't say I've got a, really any solid, solid answers. What I w would just throw out there, though, is in considering it, whatever we do, um, I, I think maybe it goes to the great planning minds like, like my friend Nick here. <laughs> but um, how do we make this area really more than what it is? As you go, to, as you go downtown Main Street, Ventura, it's no question it's unique. It's got Ventura's character. It's wonderful. As you go east, it be, just becomes more generic. Um, so whatever we do here, how do we do it with the spirit or with the, with the intent of really making these, this area a, a unique uh, area with its own character? I mean, is it, 
policy that converts more uh, uh, strip malls to um, um, neighborhood center. I, I'm not really, I don't have the answers, but I'm saying that the, the, the question, I'll, at least I'll throw that out, is how do we make this area less generic and more uh, in the character with, you know, with, with So it's a really town. good point because it's, the community is much more than land use designation. So there's a lot more that goes into just the land use designation. So having that more of that description about what it can be and the character is really important. Any other comments on the neighborhood center? My biggest concern is that this area would become somewhat of a food desert. I mean, we have the uh, food, I'm sorry, grocery outlet uh, up the, on the south one, and we have the Smart and Final for the uh, one there. And that serves, those two stores serve two, two sevenths, whatever that math works out to, of the Ventura population. I mean, this is districts four and five combined there. So, and uh, kind of going, Back, there, there are no strip malls. I mean, literally, the, the one on the, the right is the closest thing there is to a, a strip mall in that entire area um, on it. There, just, there is zero retail in this. In, that represent, the one represents all of the retail on the east side. There is no other like, so missing retail. concern going to the neighborhood center, because then that introduces residential, which could take away from that commercial. For, yeah, from that commercial. Okay. You know. And then isn't two, the two on the left, owned by the, the, the city, you're right. So, so if we change it, again, we go back to the Surplus Land Act and you're looking at resident, you know, uh, affordable first. So I see um, Stephanie has her hand up. So much for sailing through this one, right? To Bill's comment, I actually, I feel like I, I would like to advocate that three become more like the Gateway Shopping Center um, and be that actually be more of a neighborhood center than the ones are. That is like a core service provider for at least the East, east, the east End community. So the Gateway Shopping Center being the s neighborhood center application? Is that what? That three is similar to, to what we did for the Gateway Shopping, shopping center, center, which was neighborhood center, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Okay. So. You're recommending, Stephanie, then to keep these as what they are now, which is just commercial? Right? And then, or, and or, or separate recommendation that this become neighborhood center. To, to clarify, the ones right now that you see on here, they are currently commercial uses on the ground. That's what they're used as now. Their zoning is essentially up in mixed use up to six stories. So any way we're doing this, unless we're keeping six story mixed use here, we're, we're reducing the capacity, which is fine to do. But the question is, do they go to neighborhood center, which allows some residential? Do they just go to commercial, which does not allow residential? The commercial zoning, the C1A, allows residential either as part of a um, either standalone residential, which is lower density, or mixed use, which does not have a density associated with it. So what would the standalone height be for the residential? 
this, so the standalone, it's 75 feet. So, you know, and again, that's what we heard from the process, which is that's too much. Keep it commercial and allow some residential. We're also hearing from you, which is maybe just make it all commercial and don't allow the residential. Three public comments. Can I? We can do that. So why don't we just, why don't we do this for tonight? Why don't we get some comments and we started on it. It's okay. We can think about it and then come back to this one. I know we wanted to get through it, but I'd rather we spend the time thinking and talking. Okay. Philip. Okay. So uh, I think one thing we haven't addressed, and I don't even see it on the map, is that there's still a lot more housing that's going on right now that's not even shown up there between the three and the twos. Uh, so I think I would agree with, with Bill that, that there needs to be some additional retail in that area, even if it does go into one of those two spaces, which doesn't sound like it's the direction of most folks, but I mean, I think that's, that's what's necessary to make that place a little bit more livable. Okay, so more retail is needed, gotta find a place for it. There's the um, property at Wells Road in Darling. There's been a proposed shopping center there for quite a while. Um, it's not on the, it's on this map, but it's not highlighted. It's north? No, south. South of number three. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, yeah. And I know the west, or sorry, the east side is wa always wanted and said they want a grocery store there, but the property owner said there's not the demand, so I, you know, the more housing, the more people living out there, there's going to be the more demand for grocery stores. So... I think we want to pause on east side because um, we do have three public speakers so i want to make sure we give them about 90 seconds or so to each for each their public comments if that's okay with the speakers um, and then we'll continue our dialogue on the east side i think we have a pretty good primer for that conversation for our next meeting together yeah. Is that okay? and then after um after we do the public comment i want to spend just three minutes asking it what we can do to improve for the next meetings okay? so netta if you want to call our first speaker and if those speakers want to come to the front, I'll hand you my mic here. Okay, we're going to start with Mark Sirota and then Amy Sherry. They think it's working? Yes. First, I just want to thank you all for doing all of this. This is a lot of work. It's difficult, and you've got a slog in front of you, so I appreciate that. Uh, my comment, I'm just going to echo what Nick said earlier on the C-word interchange with uh, the 101. If everything gets built there that's planned, there's KB Homes, uh, I, I think the number is like 350 or 450 units. There's uh, um, Haley Point, I think it's another 70 type of units. There's Anastasia across the way in the hotel, there's a residence in. It's just going to be a total mess and you know something has to be done there. So uh, please keep it in front of you. So thank you. Thank you. Then we have Amy Sherry followed by Terry Foley. Hi, thank you guys. It's kind of complicated and I appreciate you guys really digging in. Um, I'm all over the place and 90 seconds isn't long. Uh, how did we get from 54 units an acre to 80 units an acre on all the different options? Um, uh, 
I, I agree the commercial or mixed use needs to have a, like a mixed use A and a mixed use B so we know, um, you know, keep, keep our businesses here. Uh, da, 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 fire facilities on the same plane as the harbor, so it's flat. If there's a disaster, they could just drive across the freeway. They're both at 12-foot elevation. There's no, no barrier in between them. Um, Seaward definitely needs a specific plan. Got to fix Seaward. Um, people get hit and die. Uh, KB Homes needs to pitch in, and I'd like to see uh, the Warmington 650000 That went for the railroad overpass study. I want to know what happened with that. Uh, also, the EIR needs to have a maximum density, so I don't understand how all the mixed uses can't have a density. Um, especially if you're going to be doing housing bonuses from, from that. You've got to have a base density to work from. And we rezoned all the other churches. Why can't we rezone the East End churches? Um, there's a lot of areas that are commercial. They're just not shopping centers that could be looked at um, to expand like businesses so people don't have to drive so much. Thank you Thank so much. You. And then last, Terrence Foley. My name is Terry Foley. I'm a longtime resident of Pierpont Beach, and I'm on the executive board of the Pierpont Bay Community Council. My comment is essentially the same as Mark's, that then when the GPAC is making their designations of zonings for the, for the, next to the, where the lemon plant is now, next to the VCCU and all the way to Seaward, is that the density is such that it anticipates the impact it was going to have on the intersection of Alessandro and Seaward. That, that stoplight there, when it starts to service that many vehicles, it's either going to be backing up all the way onto Vista Del Mar and, and forcing people to drive down Vista Del Mar, which won't be safe, and it's going to impact the, the flow of vehicles going north on Seaward. So as that happens, it will back up and impact the access to the northbound uh, 101, which then will back up and very quickly impact the intersection of Seaward and Harbor. So it's already an issue in the mornings. If you go up Seaward on eight, at 8 o'clock, there's congestion that's going to be increased dramatically. So as the GPAC is making its determinations on what to do in terms of the density that's allowed for that zone, I recognize it's very valuable and it's going to be attractive but it will have a huge impact on the flow of the Seaward Corridor. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, so Matt, did you want to have a, just if, if GPAC is willing to stay for a couple more minutes, just a little bit of feedback um, for moving towards our next several meetings. And here, um, Bill, as you requested, we also have some of where we think, although now we're going to add Eastside to Monday, March 6th, um, to finish that dialogue as well. Correct, and just we do not have on this the March 21st, which will be the overflow, and we may need that. We may pick up speed as we're going through and doing this. Um, so we're going to start next time um, with Eastside and then move on to College Johnson, five points. I doubt we'll have time for Midtown in on the meeting on the 6th. We have the 6th and then the 7th. If you can't come to one of these meetings um, and you want to give comments, on what your thoughts are, please um, find a time, email Netta, find a time and we'll, we'll talk with you offline. Um, okay, so what, um, 
what worked, what didn't, what could we improve for next time? I will put out there that I think we will um, get the materials out to you on these maps that were part of the presentation. We'll try and send them out and post them online so that the community can see them in advance. So that's one thing I think we can do. And larger, larger. And larger, larger 11 by 17. Okay. So I have a question on this. Um, so if, let's say, someone is not going to be able to be at one of these meetings and they're providing their feedback, how is that woven into the overall? Since we're taking these straw polls and whatnot, we're not really capturing the other ideas, right? If I get them in advance, I'm happy to read them out. And also noting that this, when we, this is giving feedback for a direction, um, so it will come back to the committee in its, like, in its entireties to be able to look at and have that conversation again. Um, but definitely, if you have a strong opinion, like Matt said, we'll get these to you in advance. So you'll see that little call-out box with some of the different options that are being floated. So you can respond more directly to those two, and we'll make sure to um, bring that to the, everyone's attention. No, I have it. <laughs> um, just really quickly, um, we can, we, we, I want time on the 21st for us to circle back for anyone who, who missed and want to kind of reopen some conversations. We know no other way to do this. We also have April 18th where we can look at it all together. I thought once we kind of got rolling, this was pretty effective, so thank you. Yeah, I think as long as we get the information enough in advance and we do our homework, we should be able to move through them at least as fast as we did tonight. Can I take you? just suggest having a microphone for each table so you don't have to run back and forth if you have enough. Microphones with really good batteries. Just like I, I. I thought that the dialogue and the exchange was dynamite tonight. It was really good. Uh, I love the idea of finding out about the churches on the east side. Um, so if we're going to continue to talk about the east side, that's, that's something to talk about. Uh, I wonder if, if there's a way in the general plan to discuss senior housing versus other housing because that has a different kind of an implication. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask, can we at some point consider um, open space, how uh, the general plan might um, set some policy that would govern, for example, you know, the land trust has, has uh, acquired a lot of property and there's talk of trails here and the trail can we see how to incorporate yes. policy that might you know feed to a, a, a open space master plan at some point yes we were planning on bringing that back after this are you saying bring it as part of it because it can get detailed I, i'm just saying include it as general as part of the a general plan absolutely as part of the general plan Having this uh, tentative schedule for the next two meetings is definitely helpful. Um, now that we have it, and it's not just a few days before, um, what kind of outreach can be done so that these seats can be filled with, say, residents of these areas on those specific nights so they can hear the conversation and also provide their public comments? Um, we didn't have a chance to do that. For, for this tonight, which I think is, is regrettable and a lost opportunity. Um, and I, I don't want us to miss out on the opportunity for these future meetings. If you want, we can, we'll publish this and when we think each of these topics is gonna be covered, as you saw, you know, because we're gonna go at a pace 
that is your pace. We don't exactly know. Um, so we can put it out there. And then the other thing we can do um, is we can certainly, we'll email the whole group um, which, which is in our email list. We can put it up on social media, um, and then we can also directly email the neighborhood councils and tell them about um, when these meetings are gonna be. And it's also great for you as committee members to um, forward it to your contacts um, as well, because sometimes that personal invitation can, can mean a lot as well. Okay, keep going around. Anyone else? Oh, you passed it, oh yeah. <laughs> you all passed. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, thanks for spending a little extra time with us. I think we were, we didn't get all the way through, but very productive meeting. And thanks to all the public members that were here as well. So we'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs>